らりと光る光の目安らぎ捨ててすべてを捨てて悪を追って空かける Change the Apollo 君はなぜ君はなぜ Hey. Hey. It is. It, it is a long night. It is 5 45. We watched, <laughs> we watched a lot of stuff tonight. I'm sorry. You know, you kept nudging me to stay up, and it's one of those things where I was up, and you know you're up, and you know I'm holding my beer, but then you just keep closing your eyes, and you don't realize where you're going. It's like you're being abducted by the darkness.、Uh, it was pretty frightening. I kept waking up, and I'm like, oh, I'm watching. Don't worry. I'm watching. I'm watching. I'm watching. <laughs> So, luckily, we had everything set up. After two weeks ago, or a month ago now, is the debacle of us destroying my basement with the dirty dancing, trying to do the,、um, the that's lift. Why that's why we're at my mom's house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've, been, we've been banned from、um, my parents' house. And、uh, so, we've set everything up beforehand because, you know, remember, we had to clean I mean, it. If we、up. didn't watch so much tonight, we'd probably be like jumping off the walls and shit.、Yeah. We'd, be doing, we'd be playing Spider Man. Yeah. We'd be, we'd be, you know, because we're both wearing. <laughs> Blake's got the traditional red and blue on. I got the black costume. And,、uh, you know, my black costume isn't talking to me, which is good. But, Before、uh, we get started, yeah, I have to give just a shout out to, and this is not a paid, adver- this is not a paid advertisement.、Uh, there's this podcast that focuses on nothing but Hulk Hogan in movies and television. Wow. <laughs> and it's called What You Gonna Do? And I told them I'd give them a shout out because I think, <laughs> what, I think it's, a, it's a bold. They've done like 12 or 13 episodes. I was going to ask you the details. On no holds barred alone. Wow. <laughs> How long are the episode lengths? I don't know. I have, I have yet to be able to,、uh, to listen. But、uh, they started chatting with me on Twitter. Because we did it. Because of, the, because of our no holds barred podcast. Welcome, our episode. Welcome to Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. I'm Jay Blake. And I'm Dion Baia. So, we're, they, here to, <laughs> we're here to <laughs> pump you <laughs> up, you little girly man. <laughs> you crazy boy. I'm, I'm Jamaican. <laughs> you bomba clot. We do a lot of things like this here. Screw face. That's a one we got to get to mark for death. <laughs> I and I be everywhere. Okay, so that's, that's our. We're, we're the Hans and Franz. <laughs> we're the Sly and Robbie in Jamaica. <laughs> Uh, anyway, we're looking for you. They seem like nice guys. I have yet to, tr- to check out the show, but I am very eager. So, they're doing like half hour. I'm sure they're not like, I don't know. rolling as deep as we、up. are. Imagine they're doing two hour episodes <laughs> each one. They've done 24 hours of no holds barred. I mean, that's like analyzing every frame, for Christ's sakes. 
Uh, and I, you know, our No Holds Barred cast is half just talking about wrestling. Yeah. But these guys have dove right in to just covering the various... The Hulkster. Appearances of the Hulkster. So you imagine you know, what you're going to do when they get to podcast. Like- uh, Tropic Thunder is it? What's the what's the Blue Thunder? What's the what's the yeah, what's um, the show? Yeah, with the boat when they sh- they shot it in Florida outside of Disney. Um, I thought it was um, Tropic Thunder's the movie and Blue Thunder's the cop uh, the the, hair, the, <laughs> the helicopter the helicopter where he shot a helicopter. That's another good one we do do that and do the pilot for Airwolf. Ooh, Ooh. But anyway, so I just yes. wanted to give because I thought it was a great idea for a podcast. Wow, yeah, go check them out. That's. And, uh, I mean, that's just a. That's an admirable. They asked. If, a, they asked if we wanted to come on and talk about No Holds Barred. I was like, I think we kind of said everything we need to say about No Holds Barred. But maybe we'll Suburban come on Commando? and do like, <laughs> like Suburban Commando or something. You know, or Rocky uh, <laughs> Three. <laughs> we'll do the five minutes of Rocky Three. You know, Suburban Commando, and then um, I'm sure there's other things we can find that he's done. You know. Anyway, so well, moving on. Yes. Uh, I just wanted to give them a quick shout out, uh, and. Today we're doing a very special episode of yes. Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Not only like format-wise is it kind of unique, but uh, I believe this is dropping on the same weekend as Spider-Man Homecoming. The new movie the coming new out. Movie. In theaters today. <laughs> In theaters now. Yes. Uh, reason why it's special is because we've decided to take on uh, Spider-Man in television. Um, we've attempted many, we've done quite a few, not quite a few, but we've done a handful of, uh, TV, More than mo- two. TV movies and we've done more than two. <laughs> we've done some superhero related TV. Yeah. movies. We did the flash pilot for when the new flash show rebooted on, um, channels. Oh, Channel yeah. Netflix. Channel Netflix. <laughs> and then... Uh, we did Trial of the Incredible Hulk. That's for Daredevil when that came on to Netflix. Oh, yeah. That's... No, the Flash... You're right. Flash was CW. Yeah. And then... I was I was uh, way ahead of you. Yeah, you're already... You're ahead of the custom. <laughs> I was always Daredevil. thinking of Daredevil. We did Daredevil, but then we did the Daredevil appearance with him, and so it was the Trial of the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Freaking awesome. Bix. Uh, we did the Bix. Um, Bix kind of shows up here, too. And then what else did we do? We did... Um, I feel like we did a third. I don't know if we did another superhero... Tie into the, to the television t- movie. Well, we we've talked about doing the um, the uh, we Captain should, America. We, we did Fantastic have... Four. Oh yeah, we did the the nineteen ninety four. Yeah, the movie that never got maybe see, uh, Roger Corman. Yeah, produced Fantastic, Fantastic Four, Four movie. So maybe that's what I'm thinking. That wet my whistle. Well, we should have done Wonder Woman. We should have did Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Yeah, coming and... at you. Don't start singing that because that <laughs> song will be stuck in your head. It's like, you know, and, uh, she's waiting for you. <laughs> and all I just see is Linda Carter running around. I was discovered. I think uh, I think I had said on the Teen Wolf podcast when I was talking to Patrick Bromley of, of this movie that uh, Alyssa Milano was my first crush. Yes. But I actually think in retrospect that Linda Carter as Wonder Woman chronologically. was really my first crush chronologically. Because you were like, what the hell are those, Mommy? <laughs> what the and then you told us last I'm gonna, week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Oh, not last week. Last week we did this, the, the, the the surprise cast two weeks ago when we did yeah. the um, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit that Joanna Cassidy was almost cast as Wonder Woman. I never knew that. But looking at her in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, I was like, I could see why 10 years mm-hmm. prior. So God bless Linda But for Carter. me, <clears throat> this is an exciting podcast because if you were going to do like the Mount Rushmore of characters or people that influenced Jay Blake. 
I think Spider-Man would be on it. Yeah. At the very least, if you did like a top 10. <clears throat> I'm getting a little choked up here. No, it's okay. It's okay. If we did like a top 10 of like my favorite and most influential things in my life when it comes to like media. Yeah. Spider-Man would certainly be on that list. Spider-Man, I've been a humongous Spider-Man fan for as long as I Like, I don't remember a time <laughs> without Spider-Man in my life. Yeah, so much so you got your nephew when he was like a, a month old. You bought him like a... Uh, yeah, I started, started buying that? him Spider-Man shit right away. <laughs> you got like a lithograph and you're like, put like, it on that wall. This kid is going to like Spider-Man, yeah. god damn it. Yeah, he's going to have a TV tray, he's going to have... <laughs> Pajamas, you got toys. I did. I bought him a TV tray. <laughs> Everything. Like, yes, he's gonna like that. TV it. trays were big for me. When yeah, I was of little. course. We, my brother had a Pac-Man TV tray, and I had a Smurfs TV tray. You think you? And I had very it. fond memories of like sitting on the floor. You think you better than me? I had just a wooden, <laughs> like one of those, like you know, <laughs> they were like rinky dink, yeah, yeah. you know, metal. You know, that's great though. Uh, and uh, eating your uh, fruity pebbles, or so I got him a Spider-Man TV tray. Yeah, but and then also we've done we did our first inaugural cast was the Punisher cast. Was the pun- well, yeah, we've, so maybe we've that's the reason why I'm thinking we've done other yeah. superhero and that movies. Is for me what <clears throat> Spider-Man is for you. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we were kind of in our infancy when we did that. That we were a little. Um, it was our first episode. Yeah, so we were had we're a little finer footing. Yeah, in our in our um, format, and but. That's what this is. Oh for yeah, you I mean, here. we did Batman. We've done the Rocketeer. That's a good point. I mean, Fair we, point. <laughs> yeah, we have, we have, we have jumped in the water of superheroes. But for me, Spider Man was and is like uh, my favorite, one of my favorite characters, not just in comic book form. And when we were in college, and it was revealed that Sam Raimi was making a Spider Man movie, yeah, it was like holy fuck. I remember like, that, like. Guy that did Evil Dead, <laughs> Evil Dead movies is gonna be doing Spider Man, uh, and you were big into him at the time because we oh, just yeah, saw like yeah. the simple plan in the theater, and then yeah, yeah, you know, so we were checking up on you know we we oh know. sure yeah I mean so, I kind of fell in love with the Evil Dead movies when we were in college and Army of Darkness, and then uh, we would go and find this was before it was released on Blu-ray or DVD. We went and found a copy of Crime Wave at a, at the Palisade, what's the... Oh, uh, Flora, uh, Piermont Video. Piermont Video Yeah, store. which is no longer there in Piermont, New York, across the Tappan Zee Bridge. And I took that, made a copy, and I gave that. That was the first copy, best video in Hamden, Connecticut had uh, of, of Crime Wave. Not Crime Wave. Second, not Seconds. Uh, <laughs> what's it? No, but it has that name, because Crime Wave is the other one. Isn't Cry, Crime Wave the same Raimi movie? Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking of Running Time. Oh, yeah, Running Time. Sorry, I'm getting my Bruce Campbell mixed up. Yeah, yeah. Running, running Time, time was a sorry. Josh Becker movie yes. who was also tied in with all that group. Yeah, we couldn't fi- find a copy. And that, the copy we found, I gave a copy to. The, and the copy video. I got of Running Time. Yes. Which I don't well, think is available. from Josh Becker. <laughs> yeah. So from I, the director. So when I brought that to that video store, they're like, whoa, because they were... Yeah. But anyway. Uh, but also by that point, I think I had bootleg videotapes of a lot of their Super 8. Yeah. And like really crappy transfers of like off the editing deck or whatever of so i was all in and then when it was like he was doing spider-man it was like oh my god yeah i like him <laughs> i like spider-man <laughs> my mind was blown uh yeah spider-man i had a subscription to either spectacular or web of spider-man as a kid, back then you could. How are we gonna? Fit, how how do you see this template of this cast panning out? We're gonna be all over the place. You want to keep like a line because there's some already. I've got questions I want to ask you about this about Spidey about Spidey. Yeah. So do you, well, we can set the table of me personally. 
And then you we remember, can set the table of comic books. Do you remember how you... Um, we'll get back to getting comics in the mail because I got Punisher in the mail as yeah, well. Because yeah. uh, I think we need to hit on you know his the comic book areas. Sure, sure. So do you remember at all like your first... I remember when I was little, Jesus, I had to be like four or five, being over my uncle's house, my dad's brother, and we were doing something and then I was watching TV and that Spider-Man was on, the, the live action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the first and only time I'd ever seen it because I don't think it got a lot of rerun play when no, we were little it didn't. and if i was watching that it's we were born during the run of this show the spider the, yeah, the live yeah. action show you were born in 78 i'm born in 79 and then uh that had to be what between 80 and 84 or 85 sure yeah that i saw that so i that's i remember seeing it and then like wow, wow, wow. you know it's like <laughs> wow this is awesome you know yeah yeah well and i never saw it by the time i saw years. it which was probably around that time so very young you so you remember seeing it too yeah. Yeah. I was already, like, I was so psyched because I was already, like, so into Spider-Man. I had Spider-Man Underoos. Uh, you think it was something you found? Or, like, your parents were like, oh, you know what? You know, Spider-Man's I know. cool. I, you know, my brother was, not, I have an older brother, and he wasn't that into comic book stuff. Um, if anything, he was into Batman because of the Batman TV show was in reruns a lot when we were little. Yeah. So he had, like, a Batman raincoat, which is just a red raincoat. I mean, a yellow raincoat, like a rain slicker with, like, Batman on the back. And Sweet. Still awesome. Like, I kind of yeah. wish we still had it. Yeah. He had a Batman alarm clock. Well, he was big back then because it was, like, the detective and Olin Soul was playing yeah, on the TV. Yeah, you know, we, we were coming out. cartoons. At that point, we were coming out. He was, my brother was also very into Speed Racer and Six Million Dollar Man. But in terms of comic book stuff, there was a lot, there were Batman things in the house. And I think that came from the television show. We had a Batman alarm clock. And I've seen it at some of these conventions. And I've been tempted to buy it. You know. And it's because it's like, holy Toledo, Batman, it's. <laughs> Time to get up. It's amazing that you, you cite that. I have a good friend of mine that I work with who I'm always talking about who's that age. He's like, you know, mid to late 40s. Yeah. And he talks about, I don't know if, I'm not, I'm, I don't know if your brother's that old, but that generation, it's funny that, that he would tell me, like, he's all about uh, Star Wars. Yeah. And he was like, dude, it was Irwin Allen. It was Six Million Dollar Man. And then when Star Wars hit, it was Star Wars. So it's funny to see, like, yeah, people who yeah. don't even know each other, you know, you know, because of the popularity trends. Sure, into. sure. Uh, but but he had underoos because then I had hand me down underoos. Uh, but I think Spider Man and Superman underoos were specifically bought for me and for you that don't know what under for the for the youngins out there that don't know under what underoos are. Underoos was you would get a it was underwear yeah and you'd get a t shirt an undershirt yep with that kind of looked like. The whatever superhero it was. Sometimes so, like short super, sleeve, sometimes so, long sleeve. So Superman was, my Superman under was, was like a short sleeve blue t-shirt with the S. Yeah. And then it was a pair of uh, brief underwear, briefs, tidies. And like uh, Superman, for instance, was red with a yellow elastic band. Sweet. And, and, <laughs> and my, and Spider-Man was a blue shirt with, like a web pattern in this in the in the spider in the middle uh, couldn't be exact to the Spider-Man costume, but you know, they tried to replicate it the best they could with and so that was blue underwear with a red band, and haven't they even had sometimes like tank tops, you know like yeah you have probably like a, like the tidy whities with the tank top that was whatever you know affiliation you were yeah if you got too hot in the summer, <laughs> so underwears were a big deal. Uh, and I just, I don't know. I just, I don't remember when I discovered Spider-Man. 
he was just kind of always there. There were, like I said, there were comic book things in the house, which looking back on uh, now is a little weird because, like I said, my brother never was that into comic books or superheroes. So the fact that we had like a Marvel board game or something, I don't know if that was bought for me early and I just don't remember it. So, But Spider-Man was always kind of the end-all be-all for me. Uh, and so when you would see the TV show, well, one, uh, the cartoon show, you'd see every once in a while, you'd see the reruns of the 60s, 67 uh, cartoon show. But for me, Saturday mornings was all about Spider-Man and his amazing friends. And yeah. that was like 81 when that started. There was, yeah. there was a Spider-Man cartoon show, and then the same that only lasted like a season. And then the same year, they started doing Spider-Man and his amazing friends, which was Spider-Man teamed up with... Uh, Iceman and Firestorm, yeah, and they, they all lived like in the were, upstairs of Anne May's house in the Queen in Queens. And then I remember one where they were like living like in like the village, like maybe they later. Yeah, they were like at college, so they lived like you know like in a dorm, like a off campus dorm. But it was you know they hit a button and everything would freaking turn. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was originally like in Aunt May's Aunt May's like you know attic, and there'd be like a, a Hulk picture on the wall and it would flip over it'd be like a, a computer monitor but that was like my favorite show uh when i was little and that was so that's that was like 81 i wonder if all those are out because that was really if even when we the, were in college remember i bought like a bootleg dvd of a bunch of them from probably midtown Comics. yeah yeah because because the um you know you take away the late 60s stuff but that 80s the, all the, the the revitalization of hulk hulk had his own cartoon sure. show you had you know the you know, Justice League, but for Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the Spider-Man 80s, yeah, it and... started because then that's how that's how Stan Lee became such a big character for our generation. It's because yeah, he would narrate yeah. them. Hey, true like, believers. Hey, true believers. This shit is going down. <laughs> Excelsior. <laughs> what the hell? So all of a sudden, uh, you know, he was like the Hitchcock yeah. of comics and that, like, he was a great character, marketer, you know, you know, yeah. uh, and he would narrate all those things. So suddenly Stan Lee and he would you would see him on the cover of comic books, you know, yeah, uh, like what Walt Disney did in Michael Eisner. Yeah, yeah. Such so, great, you know, it was just a wonderful time. One, to be a kid for all the reasons that we've talked about on millions of podcasts. Uh, uh, not millions, obviously. We don't have that many episodes. But on our previous podcasts, where we, talk about, where we talk about Transformers and G.I. Joe and Saturday the, morning the, the toy one that you did with the Podwitz guys. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, and Christmas when we talk about toys. So, the, one, it was a great time to be a kid. But two, it was a great time to be like a new comic book fan. Yeah. Because you were coming off the 70s runs. You know, like I said, my brother was kind of into Batman because uh, he was coming off. So you had the reruns of the TV show, but then you were coming off like the Neil Adams. Yeah, those darker like Denny runs. Lane or whatever. Uh, of the comic. You know, runs of the comic. And um, they were touching a lot of social issues in the 70s to try to get it back into reality. Yeah, and, bat- and with Neil Adams drawing him, like, like Batman just looked really cool yeah. at that point. And the art was really awesome. Uh, for me... You know, even though pretty soon into the mid to late 80s, I, I got the uh, subscription to Spider-Man comics. But the but to me, Spider-Man will always be, in my mind, Spider-Man is always Romita's Spider-Man. Yeah. And that's why now, in uh, you know, later in life, I collect, I started collecting Romita artwork. You know, artwork. Yeah. Because to me, that's what Spider-Man looks like. All the merchandising even if he wasn't still working on Spider-Man at that point, a lot of the merchandising pictures of Spider-Man were done by Ramita. So, which is a couple you have. 
Yeah. If anybody ever wants to break into your house (laughs) for a home invasion, you're going to be safe. Yeah, Yeah. I have a, 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 a... a, a modest collection of 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 artwork in general in terms of comic book and animation and stuff like that. But I have a, a few really cool Ramita ones because to me that's like my childhood. Yeah, you know, of it's like buying this stuff is definitely yeah. like especially if you see an artist you recognize. You know, like you know, if, like for me with the Punisher, if I see like. Uh, Textier or Dan Textier yeah. drawing or like a you know, Ramita's version of the Punisher and then us growing up when we were like in third or fourth grade in the late 80s we had the um, How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way where it had oh, came, sure. out, yeah, yeah, came yeah. out with the book which I think everybody has We've, we have our listeners who are like I had that too so I'm sure every <laughs> kid had, had it Steve, and then also Steve, Steve uh Buscema did the artwork and it was written by Stan Lee yeah but then also in conjunction with that there was the video yeah, which which was I don't know maybe an hour or fifty five minutes, and it's them and like it looks like a loft type apartment, and they got like two easel big easels and drawing boards, and they're like not Bob Bob um what's his face uh, Bob Ross easel, but more of like yeah, a comic yeah. book or newsman sure, easel. Sure, yeah, and that's a freaking amazing I tra- tra- explaining how to do perspective and lines and and you know horizontal planes and how to draw like that. I'm sure there was an entire generation of people drawing because of those two oh, guys. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know? I was I don't know if we mentioned this but like i was so into it that you know i'd say i was still living in philadelphia so maybe this was like 85 86 i came up with this character called i think he was called blade sweet and it was like this alien came down and then like genetically fused with this guy and so they kind of it was very kind of progressive in a lot of and that they were both living in the same body, kind of. It's kind of like when you watch uh, Legends of Tomorrow now on the CW and you have the fire star character, whatever the fire character is on that, where it's like two people fused become this third superhero entity. Well, this was happened all the time. And, uh, and and then the the so I think it was like Blade was the alien and then there was this guy and then they fused together and he became Catman because he had claws but they weren't like Wolverine claws anyway so I drew, like I drew pictures and I wrote this story out on the kind of paper that you had in notebooks when you were in elementary school like lines early. so it was like but, but big lines you yeah. know when you're practicing penmanship. oh yeah wow wow <laughs> Where it's like the the line is like an inch high so that you can get like the the uppercase and the lowercase yeah. a and the dot in between <laughs> yeah and uh we sent it to marvel comics my mom sent it my mom was very into mailing things like write a letter you know sable tv show went off the air write a letter to hannah barbera say you want to watch it my mom was very into like writing letters it's good and sometimes you get things done i still to this day i write letters yeah and some of them are emails some of them are actual letters yeah. I'll, I'll still write a, send a letter uh and I think my mom might have been, in re- and I think my mom had told me later on that she put in the letter, like, please send something back to him. So I got this letter on official Marvel stationery that was like, thank you for sub- your submission. But, we're, you know, it was a very official, like, rejection. Letter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but a Spider-Man was on the... Holy crap. Was on the stationery. It was... Uh, I still have it somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah, frame that shit. Um so comic books, Spider Man, uh... and you both, you and I, like you just said, you drew, I drew too. Oh yeah, yeah. And that was yeah. a big part for me. I had a friend of mine, Marvin Jones, who I met in fifth grade, and then fifth, sixth, seventh grade, we would hang out together. He's the kid who showed me like all like the sure 
the horror stuff. We always talk about creep show and stuff. Yeah. But we would draw together and we make our own comic books up and we'd take like, um, you know, uh, letter paper and we'd take a shitload of it, fold it. And then you'd have a little comic book, and then you'd like staple it. Yeah, yeah. And then that's your, and then you'd open it, and then you'd be drawn boxes. So I'd make entire like Dick Tracy, and then he had a guy, Tiger Leo, was his his yeah, yeah. comic book character. I forgot who my comic book character was. I think a lot of. <clears throat> so I made I made you know four, five, six, seven different comics. You know, like, to be continued. You know, <laughs> I think a lot of geeks are a are from our generation. Movie geeks. I think all of I think all of us went through stages. Or most of us probably went through stages where, like, we wanted to draw, maybe be an animator. Yeah. And then very soon that became, I wanted to be a comic book artist. Yeah. And then you wanted to be a special effects makeup guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? I think we kind of, there's this through line. I know you and I both have, like, a very, that very common story of interest and things we wanted to be. Yeah, there's got to be other people that, out there like us. <laughs> that led us to go into film school. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, to, meant to... Talk about you, what you were to reference what you were talking about before, which is today we're talking about Spider Man in television, um, with a major focus on the 1977 to like 78, 79 live action TV show. And you were talking about how you remember seeing it on television. Uh, I totally do too. I remember we went to a party, not a kid's party, like my dad was took me and my brother. My dad and my stepmom took us to my dad's best friend growing up, Dave Lipson, uh, was having a party. It was an adult party. Yeah. But me and my brother were there. And I remember just being like, but the Spider-Man movie is going to be on at like 2 2 p.m. on Fox. (laughs) Like I had seen a commercial for it. It was like tattooed on my brain. So I remember sitting in uh Dave Lipson, my dad's friend's bedroom, like sitting on the bed by myself, watching it on television. And that's, that's, you know, that's with like the, a with the rabbit. <laughs> and that's a dream for your parents every half hour. They come in, you okay? Like, yeah. <laughs> you need anything? No. And then uh there's also a very funny thing because I sometimes at my mom's house if I open up a box, I probably stumbled onto some last summer. Oh, all the stuff you were when I was at my mom's house. Yeah. And I brought back a bunch of stuff, and we had like a show and tell every episode last summer. Yeah. Um, where I don't know if we rented it at the video store or if it was on television, but when I stayed at my dad's house on the weekends, I would fucking get up ass early. Like yeah. it was still dark out when I'd wake up. Yeah. And I would be afraid to get out of bed. So I'd be like, Dad, Dad. <laughs> and his door's closed. <laughs> So I have a half hour of like yelling. He would come in. He's like, what do you want? I was like, I'm awake. And he'd be like, all right. Well, he'd walk me into the TV room, turn on the TV, close the door. You know, that's and so go back, funny. And my, go back to bed. My parents would do the same thing. My, <clears throat> They had like a walk-in closet they converted into a second bedroom because I was young at the time. But you'd have to go through from, you'd come up the stairs. The second floor was their bedroom. You'd take a left. You'd walk into that walk-in closet, which is now my bedroom, and then through that you can get into the, the bathroom you know like it had a, it had a shower in the bathroom yeah. so our, those doors were always open so at night I'd go to bed and I'd wake up on a Saturday you know they'd be sleeping and I'd be like I want to watch TV I forget they wouldn't let me down until like 6 I couldn't go down until 6 I yeah. think it was and then at 6 I'd go down I mean my sister would go down and watch TV you know, we I, I can have I have memories of like you know watching Berestein Bear whatever was on really early yeah, and then yeah, yeah. you'd watch everything until noon yeah. And then at noon, you know, well, Teen think, Wolf was on or something. Sure. And that well, was the I end think of it. You, we even talked about it at some point where in a recent episode, we were talking about like how 
old people and how my grandparents would get up at like four in the morning. Yeah. And then I would be up. And that's when I would watch like the craziest. Yeah, like, you'd see all this crazy shit on, and I'd be coloring because I remember where the construction paper was in my parents' closet, so I'd be yeah. drawing. And that's actually not to get too personal, but that's <laughs> how one time I caught my parents doing it because I went back upstairs like we're hungry. Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, where the hell are you people? This is child neglect. And then it was like, oh my god! But I was like, get out of here! Oh my god! But like, yeah, that was. I guess that's every. Kid's. So I would go and watch TV by myself. What seemed like hours before anybody else would get <laughs> up, and uh, and like I said, I don't know if it was on television that early in the morning or if we rented like the video because the pilot came out on VHS, and also some of these other two parters became, the live action became stuff. Mo- yeah, the yeah. live action became movies. But so I remember watching the pilot. So it was funny when uh, you know watching it for today seeing these images because what I did was I was so fucking excited about it that my dad had a camera, like a stool camera, and it was sitting on the desk, like in the TV room where, where I was, and I picked it up and I turned it on, and I just sat there and took pictures of the TV screen. <laughs> nice. To have later on. <laughs> so, you know, my dad probably developed this roll of pictures. I was like, what the hell? Yeah, you can't even see Spider-Man. It's just all like a flash. And but on some the... of them, are, I, looking at them, you know, I remember looking at them years later, and maybe even last summer, because a lot of them are like Spider-Man clawing the wall. Yeah. And I was so zoomed in on it. It's kind of blurry. It's almost like I really saw, like, somebody saw, like, a sighting of this guy climbing a wall in a Spider-Man costume. It's, 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 kind of, it's kind of blurry and really far away. It's not a Robert Stack and, episode. Of, and <laughs> the, uh, and the, the cleanest ones are him standing in the mirror, like, when he first puts on the costume. Oh, when he walks in the frame. So yeah, there's yeah. all these pictures of, like, this... Like dingy attic with like this big mirror and spider. Are you pausing thing. it? Or are you taking it on the go? You're like, you're, you're, I, I don't know. Those I might have paused. I'm sure I tried a couple of different things, but I, I it's just funny because uh, of course my dad was like, I don't know what these are here. Like I all these pictures of Spider Man. <laughs> so I had all these somewhere. I have all these photos. It is really. It's a testament also to your parents' patience that they just allowed you. Like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I would get a slap in the head. <laughs> this costs money. Yeah, you stupid son of a bitch. Back before the back day, into the basement. Back before the days of digital photography. Okay. Yeah, you, you had, had to a, send your photo your photos out for two weeks. <laughs> you know, you'd have to buy a roll of film. You'd have to send them someplace to get developed. Do you remember? I was thinking I was over at my friend's house when we were watching Glow on a Saturday morning or whenever it was Sunday morning, yeah, yeah. right before Kung Fu would come on on USA Network, and I remember him mucking around with his. One of those, it wasn't a disposable camera, but it was probably like a um, Fisher Price kind of a camera. Yeah, yeah. And he had, remember back in the late 70s, you'd have to get those stacks of flashes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it'd be like cubes that were connected yeah, together that were like 10. Six, yeah. five, or some whatever. And you had to like, like maybe you'd them. screw them in and then, it, you know, you'd go through each flash and that was like your flash bulb. And that was, you know, in the old days, that's why you see that you have to throw, like, throw the bulb on the ground. Yeah. Was, you know, it's so funny that you, stuff you don't even think about again. But Spider Man. Uh, when he came out in 1962 became Marvel's kind of flagship character pretty soon and I think what you have to understand a little bit of setting the table of why Spider-Man was so so significant is you know if you look at a brief history of superheroes and comics in the late 30s they kind of you know Superman came in 38 uh, with uh, Action Comics number one, and he was kind of a big, he made a big splash, and he obviously still to this day is probably the most iconic comic book character of all time. Before that, you had the pulp, 
Yeah, Dick Tracy was huge yeah, at the time, had, and that was the comic next evolution strips, of it. And you had the pulp heroes. They had the shadow, like, the fan, had, like Phantom and the Shadow. You know, and those are you know, yeah, dime store novels into pulps, and then into like comic strip form, and then in the mid '30s they started actually publishing comic books. Yeah, know? and yeah. so then it was like these collections of strips, and some of them, the early ones, were actually just that, like yeah, collections of of the large stuff already ran in the newspapers, yeah, ran in the newspapers, and they kind of combined them into what's now like a trade. You know, yeah. paperback, <laughs> kind of. Um, so 38, you have Superman. 39, you got Batman. Batman soon, very quickly, uh, he first appears in Detective Comics number 27. And he very quickly start even becomes so popular that he's rivaling Superman. Yeah, because Detective Comics was just like a like a detective. Each episode was like a private eye almost. Yeah, it was yeah. almost like a, more of a Dick Tracy or private investigator. Yeah, it wasn't like they had their own it wasn't series yet. You know? you know, it was they would have this one appearance. It was like standalone comics, yeah, like anthologies. And then they they put a masked hero in, and that was like, that's awesome, a masked hero. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, and it was like... A superhero. It was playing on the pulp stuff, but it was also... You know, comic books. It was well, it was an answer to like you know what was happening at the time. People were mad about say the depression, sure. was the, the crime, yeah, yeah, you know definitely. all that. You know, fighting crime. No, crime was no longer glamour glorified. Yeah, we had just been through a war, and we were on the cusp of maybe yeah, going another, into another war. Yeah, going into another war, and so it just kind of hit at the right time. And Superman, a lot of like, escapism, like yeah, you see, yeah, like yeah. the gold diggers and all those. In the thirties, you have some whacked out movies they put out. It's just like. <laughs> You know, there's people starving in the Dust Bowl in the you know Midwest and moving. You know, actually, entire states migrating to California, and they're like putting out like, "Hey, well, I feel lucky." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know? A lot of those screwball comedies. Are yeah, coming. exactly. I mean, that's people you know? needed that escapism. You know, so when you couldn't afford to even go to the movies, if you're able to get a comic book or strip at the local haberdashery, yeah. you could get you know something like this, and you're and like, "Who the so fuck is this it was, Batman?" You know, and it was big for kids because you know they weren't as you know excited about seeing like. Catherine Hepburn and yeah. <laughs> Terry Grant. They went to go see the uh, the short, the cartoons before, or the, or the, the serials. So that was, like, DC was doing that. And then, uh, timely publishing, which was, was, which later became Marvel, timely, was across town, and they started doing comic books. Uh, and in third, 1939, same year as Batman, they released Marvel number one, which... Had an early like the previous incarnation. You know, we know of the Human Torch from uh, Fantastic Four, but there was a previous Human Torch. And so, human that original Human Torch and the Submariner Namor, they appear in that. So, those are the first appearances there. Timely Comics uh, major creatives at that time were the creative team of Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Yeah. And there was this teenage kid that worked for them named Stan Lieber. And then he later, very quickly, you know, uh, worked his way, started writing and under the name Stan Lee. And then when Simon and Kirby left to go to D.C., <clears throat> right around that time, Stan Lee became the editor of Timely Comics. Such a beautiful time to be able to do all this. You know, yeah, like, and mid, if you mid century, and if for uh, the for the comic book historians out there, if you want to see where Timely Comics was, the original Marvel offices before it became Marvel, it's right next to Port Authority in New York City. If you go to if you go to Forty Second and Eighth. Uh, 
west side of the west side of New York, just uh, just west of Times Square, Forty Second Street, and Eighth Avenue. There's Port Authority. Now, if you... the, that's the big bus terminal that gets all the buses out to like you know Greyhounds or transportation to uh, New Jersey for people who live yeah, in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. New Jersey Transit buses yeah. there, and then Greyhound, Peter Pan. Got a know, big uh, got a big statue of Jack uh, <laughs> Jackie Gleason as Ralph Cramden outside. And if you walk west towards Ninth Avenue, probably better to be across the street north so that you can look but if you keep if you walk west you're going to pass a uh, church and right around if you're uh, by that church and you kind of look up there's this big gr- like green aqua greeny blue building that the the bricks are that color it's not like um you know it's not like copper that's corroded and become yeah. blue for some reason the br- the actual the building's made out of stone that are the is this like aqua green color Sweet. And that's where Timely Comics was. So that's where the Human Torch, the original Human Torch, Submariner, uh, 1941, Captain America was created. That's where all those characters were born. Is in that building. What's, what's, <laughs> what's going on with it now? I don't know. It's just office. I think it's just an office building. But they've, they've long since moved out of there. Oh, yeah. At some point, it's kind of a funny story. Uh, not funny, but uh, at some point, once... You know, shit started going down with the Nazis, yeah. and Captain America was strongly against the Nazis. But America wasn't necessarily against the Nazis. Yet. The Nazis had had you know rallies and shit. Yeah, here there in was New York City. There was a period there. Yeah, before for, shit got for crazy. Period of forty one. There was a lot of people. There was a lot of anti pro Germany stuff because there was a big German population in the Upper East Side. But you had a thing called the Bund Party, B U N D, and that was the American version of the Nazi Party. Here, where you had you had Hitler Youth camps in New Jersey and on Long Island. They had a uh, a big, an actual huge rally at the Garden, Madison Square Garden, the old Garden there, where then Henry Ford was a huge pro-Nazi. Charles Lindbergh was a pro-Nazi until uh, Hitler went apeshit and invaded Poland <laughs> before, in 39. Before, like, the real... Yeah, well, you he know, went, you know, what he was really were, trying to do came to fruition. Yeah, and then people were like, whoa, and then they kind of stepped back when they had to. But yeah, you're right. The, people so, forget there was a, a undercurrent of support yeah, here. For, there was, a, there was you know, a period of time where there was support. And we also didn't want to... You know, we didn't want to get into another war because people were still pissed off, like you said, about World War One. You know, people didn't want to get into that war. They felt like they were... You know, pulled in because of the Lusitania sinking. So, but pretty early on, because you know, a lot of these comic books were being done by Jews. Uh, there was, you know, same with comedy. I mean, the uh, you know, like the Three Stooges were, you know, their famous like parodies of Hitler and stuff were bef- way before we were in the war. Yeah. You know, like yeah, they, like they, you know, there was. There were people in America that were like, "No, this is fucking. What's going to happen? What is about to happen is going to be is crazy." Yeah, because they were still talking to their relatives back in, yeah. in, in the Europe, they were, or they were talking to people who were, you know, the mass exodus, like we talked about in the Mad Love cast. Yeah, you know, Peter Laurie and all those but artists. So uh, because you know, guys like Stan Lee and and whatnot were, uh, you know, there were, Captain America was not for not was not pro Nazi. Yeah, and so there were issues early on. Um, I'm, his first issue might even be the one where he's punching Hitler in the face. I don't remember. Uh, but in that issue, you know, you flip to the back of the issue, it's like Timely Comics. There's their address. Three, yeah, like 350, well, 42nd Street or whatever the address is. Yeah. So then there would be protests at outside the office. Uh, so I don't know exactly what year they moved out, but I know that had a lot to do with it. It was like, oh, <laughs> now yeah. like... We also forget, too, which I think they bring up in... Um, 
that uh, contact movie, the sci-fi movie. But the 36 Olympics, which was huge, that was the first time television was ever televised. And the first person ever to, to, to televise an image was Hitler. The Nazis broadcasted an image of them welcoming to the 1936 Games. So... I mean, that's people think about the Nazis, but at the time, yeah, people didn't that, know they were bad. So, you know, the, uh, the 36 Olympics were hosted in Berlin. That's where you have the legendary, they just came out of, had a movie with it about the race. Was, sure, uh, yeah. Je, was it Jesse Owens maybe running um, yeah, yeah. against the, uh, they thought the uh, Aryan was going to win and he won, you know, in the boxing too, I think. What's his face? Um, maybe Joe Lewis. Oh, yeah, yeah, Against yeah. Max Schmelsch. I'm really bad at yeah, I'm forgetting about that stuff. I should know all that <laughs> like stuff. Like half a story. Yeah, you know, <laughs> get the general pseudo. gist. Yeah, yeah. The gist. <laughs> you just go look it up on those little uh, space <laughs> phones. Just a little taste. Yeah, go look up on those space phones. <laughs> just enough inaccuracy. So there was, yeah, so you could go to discover new stuff yourself. <laughs> you know, we're, we're only half right. You go discover. <laughs> we want you to complete the journey yourself. Um, but that was so... So eventually they moved out yeah. of that building, and I think they moved into the Empire State Building. Actually. Oh, okay. Um, but so that that's what's going on with comic books. And then there's a big superhero uh, rush during the war. Yeah. You know, they would be, we'd send them, we'd send these comic books overseas and you'd have patriotism of, yeah. of Superman and everybody, Batman, they're all about World War II. You got Captain America's on the front lines. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure at that point, maybe you, you have uh, Fury. Yeah, f- uh, Fury and his Howling Commandos can't. Yeah, you, you know, know this is this is where <clears throat> this is where uh, you know, like Wonder Woman. Because they might be a little Fury. I, I should know that because I did a Howling Commandos podcast not too long ago. I forget <laughs> when those were. To be an yeah, to, that. yeah, that's why I brought it up. Yeah. Well, but anyway, but they they, they could have started a little later. Yeah, yeah. But the so but the superheroes were a big deal. Yeah, huge. Uh, the, uh, during the war and. That's even when you know Wonder Woman. Wonder too. Woman starts becoming a patriotic figure yeah. for America. It was all, it was all because of <laughs> yeah. Well, that cause, even though she's not American, exactly, she's from Maryland. That's that's a disclaimer. And uh, but then post-war, nobody was looking for superheroes anymore. It, it, it's much like the sheriff in the bad town, you know. Once they once Shane, once you get all the, the the desperados out of town, they don't want you there anymore. So they kick you out, and then the troops were well, you know troops were coming back. They weren't that interested in reading about comic. You know mm-hmm. they they grew it, malmatured it, whatever. Yeah. Superman superhero comics, with the exception of like Superman and Batman, which are now becoming. Uh, you know, very different. Yeah, they were going more sci-fi to kind of keep the reader and you know, but they, so they were evolving but for the most part superhero comics were kind of dead yeah but you were getting and, the other rise and of the timely EC. comics started doing like westerns and romance comics yeah. and you get a lot of genre things where you have like try crime like what like procedural comics you get those ec and a lot of those horror comics yeah. you get you know what's it prince valiant or whatever you have a lot of genre sure comics they're trying everything yeah something's got to stick on that and then by the 50s roller in the fifth in the 50s there is also in cinema, this big ups, uh, like sur- resurgence, not resurgence, but upsurge of science fiction. Yeah. So Timely starts doing a lot of science fiction comic books. You have like Astounding or whatever. And yeah, fucking crazy. <laughs> you know, it's all about like monsters yeah, and, and Mars giant monsters kind of guys, and, yeah. and aliens, radio- radiation. And so it starts playing all those things. Uh, DC is still kind of pushing with some heroes, but I'm sure they have other things going on. I think the, the Flash... The newer version of The Flash comes out in like 56, and he's a bit of a hit. And then in the late 50s, early 60s, uh, DC ends up kind of striking a big with the JLA. They, they produce a team-up of, like, took all their big characters. They 
you know, Justice League of America. Yeah. Now, and the floor dropped out in the mid fifties with uh, Frederick Wortham, the psychiatrist who would. Oh yeah, you know. You so had, you had the blacklisting where they had to put up the comics code, and a lot of comics went out of business. Yeah, which we could probably other thing happened. Yeah, so because with comics, and, they self yeah they self implied a um, a code system on themselves to regulate themselves because yeah. of the backlash of the of the. They're like, well, look, we can regulate ourselves, or we can be regulated by the government. Yeah, we'd rather <laughs> be regulated ourselves. So you have a lot of those comics. You take out the horror comics that they were actually going after, or they even called Batman gay, which is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. But those comics, then it's like taking their 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 balls away, so they don't know what to do. So that's why it gets a little loopy in the late fifties, where yeah. they're they're going to space, they're going back in time, they're going to different dimensions. It's very lighthearted, weird shit until you know we get in the sixties. So we get into the early sixties, and JLA is actually, the Justice League is actually doing pretty well, and the owner of or publisher of DC Comics is bragging to Martin Goodman, who was the publisher of Timely. Which by that point, by the by the early sixties, might have then changed to Atlas Comics. I think they changed to Atlas in the fifties, and then at some point in the sixties, they just went whole hog into be called, being called Marvel. So it's a little bit of evolution. It started as Timely, becomes Atlas, and then I think sometime in the sixties starts becoming just becomes Marvel Comics. But so the guy who runs DC is. Uh, bragging to the guy who runs what is becomes Marvel saying oh we got this Justice League is like doing really well and so he goes to Stan Lee and he says to Stan Lee we need a super we need like a team like a superhero team and and part of what was also going on with superhero comics is it was like a boring formula at that point every issue was the same, had like the same narrative arc, you know, yeah. it was like you had the hero, then you had a villain, and then at the end of the issue, <laughs> it resolved itself, you, <laughs> you, know? Know? you know, it was like, it was kind of this boring formula, and, and Stan Lee the whole time had been like, let's break that formula, and Martin Goodman was like, no, like it's, you know, it, it's a proven, you know, it's a tried and true, proven storytelling. And you, like you said, you forget how many genres. I mean, aside from like Archie was big then, but you had all those, like you had like Lone Ranger, you had all those different, oh, sure. you know, everybody had their own comic. Stuff like, you know, and it's weird, the Westerns or those ones that just went, fell by the wayside. You yeah, had yeah. so many well, I think it's interesting how big romance comics were. You know, you, yeah, you should see a lot of great early art uh you know from that not early but from that period of like by kirby and romita and stuff of romance comics you know it was so we you wonder who they were they were appealing to were they actually going after the women um buyers or the girls at the time like they were they're you know you know it's like the 50s was big for you know cap guns for cowboys and indians and they were also big for, you know uh going to the sputnik as well as sure. the aliens invading in the cold war so it's like that's what the guys are doing and the girls are going to be reading the romance comics you know or, yeah so by 61, maybe, 61, Stanley is fed up. He wants to, like, at that time, it's not cool to work in comics. Like, he's afraid to tell people when he's at a party or at a gathering of adults. Like, what do you do? I'm in publishing. Because if he said he made comic books, people were like, what the? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it wasn't. He's putting them as kids. Yeah, 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 it's filth, and it's for children. Uh, and... So he's kind of fed up. He doesn't. He's not enjoying working with Martin Goodman, who's very set in his ways. He wants to tell different kinds of stories, and he's being shot down. So he goes. So Martin Goodman says, comes up to him and says, "And God, I hope I have his name right." As we discussed earlier, I had all these notes. Yeah, and I before I took like copious notes and then forgot. Them. Yeah, <laughs> uh, left them at my apartment before I came to my mom's house to yeah. do the podcast. So we, we couldn't get a ride uh, so back. So I'm going yeah. off the top of my head here. 
Uh, Goodman says, I need a team. And Stanley's like, I, I don't want to do it. I mean, I, I do He wants a team up. I want to, yeah, like the, he wants battle, a, like uh, a, a superhero team. To go after Justice League. Yeah, yeah to kind of there. rival Justice League in the sales. Uh, Stanley wants to leave, but for some reason can't leave. Goodman convinces him to stay. He wants to quit. And his wife's like, look, you want to just do, uh, you want to quit anyway. So just write the comic book you want to write. And then worst comes, he fires you. You want to leave anyway. Who gives a shit? Yeah. So he, he creates the Fantastic Four with Jack Kirby, who had now come back to Timely and Marvel and Atlas from DC. He split with Joe Simon and came to Marvel. So they create the Fantastic Four, and the big difference is Stanley's innovation is like they're they're people, like they're actual. They have problems. The thing is a reluctant hero. You know, this was a science experiment. You know, Stanley wants to create you know the oxymoron of like more realistic fantasy. Yeah, which is it's science. Like this is science based. Yeah, they were like astronauts going up into space, and they were like exposed to gamma rays. Or something. But they, you know, they yes, they're heroes and they fight evil and whatever. But at the same time, they bicker with each other. They fight with each other. The thing is a tragic hero because he's been turned into this big block creature, and he. Hates it. Yeah. And he, and, he used to be like a Jack dude. And so he, like Ernest you know, Borgnine Jack, but then he turns into freaking, <laughs> you know, Stonewall. He can't change so, back. So, you know, before this, we had, you know, Superman was like all American, you know, like no real inter turmoil. There was no yeah. angst in Superman at that no. point in comic books. And Superman, and Batman, although he started pretty dark, and his, his origin story is a, uh, a dark one. Yeah. By the time the fifties and stuff rolled around, we got that That's like, completely, smiling. Yeah. You know, Batman. Him and Robin are like, hey, let's. Yeah. You know, in the war during World War Two, they're they're like raising. <laughs> yeah, they're doing crazy yeah. shit. They might even have like Bat Dog at that time. You know, yeah. like one of different planets. So Stanley says makes a character that's all. And we've said this already, but if you want to go hear about that, we did. Uh, 89's Batman the movie we have a podcast on that you can check that out if yeah, you haven't I mean, already did the Fantastic Four we did the Fantastic movie. Four movie we did the Dick Tracy which also plays into a lot of this too yeah. and then we did Rocketeer which is a newer way newer character but it, we talked all about this in it as yeah. well so what we're leading up to is now Stan Lee has this idea for a character called Spider-Man and he wants to do a character where the hero is a teenager before this uh he Teenagers were always sidekick. You couldn't have a main character be a teenager. Yeah. It'd be like, a it'd main be, superhero. It'd be like Archie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you had to have Robin, you yeah. know, or, uh, you know, Bucky or whatever, <laughs> you know, all the all the teen sidekicks. But he's like, I want to do a ki- I want to do a superhero. He's a kid. He's a teenage kid who's got teenage problems. The angst, yeah. He's like nerd in school. He's got money issues. <laughs> you know, he's got all these issues. So, uh and Martin Goodman's like, no, that's, that's ridiculous. You can't do it. Like, yeah. who'd read a, that? Yeah, <laughs> nobody's going to read. People that. People want to see independently wealthy people dress up as night as you know <laughs> Avengers. You know, like don't rock the boat. You know, like we got a good thing going here. Why do you want to go and do this crazy thing that nobody's going to believe? Nobody's going to read it and, and buy it. So they have this fantasy comic that's been declining in the rate in the ratings. The the Purchase sales, yeah. And sales, and it's even they've even tried changing the title a couple of times. So now, right now, at this point in '62, this comic book is called is called Amazing Fantasy, and they're up to Amazing Fantasy number fifteen after they've revamped it a couple of times. And Mark Goodman's like, "God, I hope I have his name right." <laughs> I've said it a million times. <laughs> 
Well, at the end of it, we'll be like, Mark Goodman was played by <laughs> Alan Schwartzowitz. <laughs> he says, you know, I, he's, I'm going to, we're going to cancel Amazing Fantasy. This is going to, Amazing Fantasy 15 is going to be the last issue of this comic book. Do kind of do whatever you want. If you want to do that stupid Spider-Man character, yeah. now's your time to do it. There's no texts. <laughs> <laughs> so he, so Stan Lee pens the story about a, Peter Parker, this science nerd kid in high school. And that's kind of the same way Batman, you know, they put him in a, you know, Detective Comics was an actual, you know, uh, you know, one-off anthology. Yeah, yeah. other thing. So they just fit, yeah, they just shoehorn him in there. You know, like slug him in. Yeah. It's a one-time one month. And then if it does, if a comic book does well like Batman, then it'll get... Yeah, much own, like TV pilots, you know, series, if it does sure. good, yeah. Uh, it's like the soup, like the, the sp- backdoor <laughs> pilot. Yeah, exactly. The Spider-Man pilot was just a TV movie that became a series in 1977. Uh... So he finally, Stanley's like, okay. Um, you know, he had already been shot down. Stanley says that in retrospect, like, he must have knew there was something special about it because usually if he got shot down with an idea, he would just forget about it and move on. But at this point, for some reason, when he got the chance to just do whatever he wants with Amazing Fantasy 15, he's like, I'm going to do Spider Man. Like, I'm going to go back to this idea that got shot down. And originally, he 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 starts to come up with a story. And originally, he gets Kirby to draw Jack Kirby, uh, and Kirby's drawing some designs of the character and and drawing a few of the splash page, early splash pages. And Stanley is like, no, no, like you're you're making him too heroic. Like he's too big, he's too muscular. Like this is the anti that. Yeah, you jacked. know, he's a scrawny yeah. little high school kid. And Kirby's just like King Kirby's like what. <laughs> He's just not getting it. So yeah. the other guy they have on staff, who was the guy that was doing like the rom- you know, a lot of the romance novels and a lot of the other stuff, not the superhero stuff, was Steve Ditko. So he goes to Ditko and he says, "Okay, Kirby's not giving me what I want. This is what I want." And he, you know, in hindsight, Lee says that, you know, that's ballsy for him to do that too. Ditko was like the king of drawing the everyman. Kind of like angst-ridden every man in a like urban environment. Like that was that was actually perfect for yeah. for Ditko. So Ditko draws uh, the the issue of Amazing Fantasy fifteen, um, but Lee didn't like the cover that he designed. So he actually has Kirby draw the cover, but Ditko basically invents the visual style of Spider Man. And for me. Now, as an adult looking back, that is the biggest stroke of genius. Because if you look at Spider-Man at the time, he looks unlike any other character at that point. His entire face is covered. Because Ditko was like, he's a kid. I can't have his face. You think him and Lee had some, you know, um, I know you and I, we, we actually met Stan Lee some years ago. We took a picture with him and stuff. And then he talked about, didn't he talk about fleshing the in the interview that we saw Q&A and he was talking about how they would go about issues over the phone and how they talk about story plot but do you think my point is here do you think that they had like a like a like a brainstorming of how he felt the character should look visually and I don't think so you know, I think he that, just gave him his idea he's going to be a kid who's a Spider-Man yeah spider abilities you draw I think, me something you know I think Stan Lee especially at that point was at that time was probably a guy that's like I'll know it when I see like, like know when I see it you yeah. know like I don't have any specific you know uh, apparently you know, Kirby had him with like a web gun, and it was just these other looks. But so Disco says, "Well, we can't have him show his face because he's a kid." Yeah, you know, you don't want the adversaries to know that he's just this kid. Yeah. So he gives him a full mask, and then I think that's the biggest 
and, and Stanley to this day, even though he's reluctantly said, like, yes, yeah, Steve Ditko was co-creator. Um, in Stanley's mind, he's like, it was my idea. I wrote the story. I'm the creator. Yeah. But the way comic books, sent, probably in the 70s, because of Neil Adams uh, fighting for uh, the Superman guys. Oh, Sh- so, uh, Schuster. Si- not, I'm going to say Simon and Schuster. Um, Spiegel and Schuster and Spiegel, maybe your name wrote? Yeah. Yeah, they were fighting for the, because they were just, you know. So now it's guns. common practice, whoever designed, visually designs the character. And the person who like comes up with it and writes it, those are they they share co-creator. So there was a long period of time where I'm sure Stanley just had sole creation. Because back Spider-Man. then those guys were hired guns, so it's like yeah, whatever yeah. you create under me, you know. Well, even you get like the Bob credit. Kane didn't own Batman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, he just he was hired to do a comic book for for uh, same with the Superman guy. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's one of because if you you have the design of Spider-Man. And then you have Kirby's cover. And I think if you didn't have those things, like, Spider-Man never would have taken off. So what happened was, back then, you would get the sales figures, like, six months later. Yeah. So six months after uh, August of 62, when Amazing Fantasy hits the stand, six months later, uh, Goodman comes in the lead. He's like, what was amazing, What issue was Amazing Fantasy number 15? Because they're so, like, hotcakes. And they look, and it was the Spider-Man issue. And yeah. Like, oh, well, he must have... Must have been because of Spider-Man, so let's give him, let's start Amazing Spider-Man number one, and that's so then that's how Spider-Man gets his own series. But if you look and and I, it's funny because if you really look at that Amazing Fantasy fifteen cover, it's uh, it's exciting, it's mysterious. You don't know what this guy is. If it's were, very much to just, me like Batman. Yeah, if you look at the deter- it's in first a, a, issue, and I wonder if it's a conscious play on that, yeah to the Detective Comics number 27, which was the first appearance of Batman, which is Batman swinging with bad guy, you know, with guy criminals in his, arm, yeah. in his arms. And so we and get... people looking on like, holy shit, shoot <laughs> at him or whatever, yeah. And Amazing Fantasy 15 is Spider-Man in this very heroic stance. You know, not even the kind of stance that we've come to know Spider-Man swinging in. It's very like he's open and he's got this criminal by the waist and he's swinging and you look at that costume and it's hard to think in retrospect what you would have thought not knowing what it was. Because we look yeah. at the Spider-Man costume now, and we're like, oh, it's, it's, it's just a Spider-Man. But if you saw that for the first time, you didn't know what it was, it's 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 like mysterious and almost menacing. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, up until that time, you really think that only... I mean, like the shadow, he he wore a, something up, you know, from his nose down to cover his face. So you never really had only bad guys really wore masks. I mean, the you know the um, yeah. you had like the Lone Ranger wearing what do you call it a domino or uh, you know just the like Robin wears yeah, over sure, his yeah. you know over his. But you never you know, had Batman someone, had a cowl, but yeah, but you never had something completely obscuring like your a face. Complete, you, know, you know, this is like people for, rob banks with shit. Like for, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and then you're telling me this is an anti-hero or or you know a reluctant hero. For me, the other stroke of genius that marvel or timely did at the time was up until that time aside from i guess like dick tracy dc were in fictional cities yeah. dc was in you know uh, batman was in gotham S- spider-man or uh, superman was in um uh where, where's superman and metropolis uh, metropolis and f- you know that's a lot of people who i know growing up who were fr- uh huge uber fans like yourself of spider-man oh yeah one of the allures they say is that it was it was in new york city it was in a real life city people who i met who i work with now in the city who were from the area they're like 
I knew where Queens was, where he lived. Yeah. I knew they would, you know, incorporate. And that was me with the Punisher. Sure. I like the Punisher. I would know areas of, oh, he's in Times Square, or he's, you know. So that was like almost yeah, like I, I missed that, it because he was here yesterday. There's you know? addresses, you know, yeah. like Doctor Strange's. <laughs> you know, like apartment is in the Lower East Side. Yeah, you know, Stanley. That's Lee so used, exciting as opposed to a fictional metropolis. Stanley you know? would walk by on the way to work from on the Upper East Side. He'd walk by this museum, which is this art museum, private collection art museum in this mansion on the Upper East Side called the Frick. Yeah, and he would just walk by it, and he's like, "This is there's this like big mansion." In yeah, the back of in the, a lot City. of people don't realize back in the old days, turn of the century, there were tons of people lived on Fifth Avenue and the yeah. East Side, and then you had a lot of mansions going up before Central Park that got torn down. I think in the teens, twenties, and thirties, you know, and then they put up apartment buildings or whatever or retail. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, but so there's this still to this day. There's this Frick Museum, which is this big giant mansion, uh, right on, right along Central Park. Yeah. on the East Side. And uh, he would walk by it. And so that is what becomes the Avengers mansion. Wow. You know, and he's like, well, there's this giant, there's this mansion in New York City. Let's just put the Avengers in there. Like Tony yeah. Stark's family owns it. He decks it out. You know, so there's all these that shit things. I like. I liked, you know, when you add it to, you know what I mean? Like we talked about two weeks <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, you You're know. based in reality. You've been later on, Spider-Man, the death of Gwen Stacy. You know, that's supposed to be. I think that's actually supposed to be the George Washington Bridge in the story, but the George Washington Bridge is, is not as visibly interesting yeah. as the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. So even though it's the George Washington, where the George Washington Bridge is in real life, they drew it to look like the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. But like all these things are happening. So then that's not the is there is that's not the 59th Street Bridge like in the movie because I thought it was a cable car. Kind of a thing, you know. No, I don't think so. Okay. I, to my recollection, it's supposed to be the George Washington. Yeah. Bridge. I could be wrong. I mean, like I said, I'm going off the top of my head yeah, for a yeah, lot yeah. of this stuff. Uh, and then even where Fantastic Four, the, the Baxter Building, is yeah. actually like on Sixth Avenue, right by Grand Central. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's actually what the Pan Am now the uh, what do they call that the MetLife Building is. Yeah, yeah. You know, so above it, all this stuff is. Uh, you're right. That's also a big appeal, especially for. You know, the Northeast people. Yeah. Know, New York City. It's like we know where New York City is. Or even is. people all over the world. It's like, you know, that's New York City. Oh, you know, and it, yeah, especially people. It's grounded. It has a foot in a reality, which is yeah. a little more, you know, than like the DC guys who are in a fictional reality, you know, that are. So I think you, it's, you need to put into perspective the significance of Spider-Man by showing like what, when he came out, what was happening, you know. It wasn't until after this that, you know, he they, they created the Incredible Hulk and stuff like that. It was the same year, but uh, actually, I guess that was right before this. But so, you know, but this idea of Stanley trying to actually have more realistic character traits. Yeah. And when you look at Amazing Fantasy 15, which is kind of a beautifully executed origin story, uh, it's almost more tragic than Batman's story in that Bruce Wayne was just a kid. You know, there was really nothing he could have done. Yeah. Where Spider-Man had, you know, he, unlike Superman, who's good through and through, Peter Parker's first inclination was... Oh, to be a douche and let the guy go. I can make money at this. I'll go, I'll make money wrestling at this open wrestling call. And then I'll be like on the Ed Sullivan show or yeah. whatever. And he lets it get to his head. He, he 
gives into you know the, the, the like this weakness of of man. That's what uh, you people, know. Yeah, yeah. Of tr- well, fame and fortune. It was not, didn't even occur to him to actually do good with yeah. this. Well, because he's a kid. I yeah. mean, I mean, he's a juvenile. He's like he's a you know teenager. But even an adult in real life. Yeah. Very few would have the take the Superman route. Of, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, man is corrupt in a lot of in in general in a lot of ways, and so th- he lets this guy go. There's this guy who robs the office or whatever, and the cops are like, "Hey, stop that guy!" The guy runs by Peter Parker. I'm sure everybody knows the origin story. He lets him go, and he's like, "Hey, not my job. <laughs> I'm not going to rest my neck for you guys." This guy ends up killing his uncle, which is also kind of a weird. Uh, kind of stroke of genius on Stan Lee's part is that Peter Parker is an orphan. He lives with an elderly un- and an uncle. He doesn't live with his parents. His parents are dead. Even that's kind of like a weird... Choice to have yeah, him. Yeah, to why, choice. Because him... it automatically just makes him an outsider in general. Like, he doesn't even belong to his parents. You know? Yeah. It, it's, it sets him up as being like a real loner. Yeah. Lives um, with the elderly aunt. He, yeah, yeah he lives with yeah. Aunt May and Uncle Ben. And this and the, somebody comes in to rob the house. Aunt, Uncle Ben tries to step in the way. Uncle Ben gets killed. Spiner, uh, Peter Parker out of rage. Not even out of revenge. Not even out of anything noble. Says, I'm gonna go get this guy. Yeah, and here's the police say he's on the like he's in the the building. He's in the old Acme building. <laughs> he's in the the docks of the old yeah. Acme building. And I not, know the old Acme building again, giving into like weakness. Yeah, it's not even out of nobility to be a hero. He's like, I'm gonna go get, I'm gonna go kill this guy. Yeah, and he gets there and he realizes the guy let he let go. Yeah, and so even in a way more tragic than Bruce Wayne's backstory is that. Spider-Man is now riddled with the fact that like he could have stopped this. Yeah. With great power comes responsibility and I with comes great responsibility and I was not responsible. Yeah. And that is a, a, a phrase that comes up pretty early on. I mean is that in the first It's in the first issue. It's the la- it's the last panel I think of yeah. Amazing Fantasy number You take 15, that to the bank, which is Spider-Man <laughs> saying with yeah. great power comes great responsibility. Uh So it's a a beautiful story. I mean, tragic. Yeah. But it it's it's just it's unlike anything else that was being done in superhero comics. And I think that's the significance of it. Not only now you have comic books being primarily a kid's medium and you have one of your own being the hero. But Spider-Man, he's a as Peter Parker, he's a nerd. When he puts on the mask, he's a f- comedian. Yeah, he has yeah, he's <laughs> you a... know, he's got like confidence and stuff. And I think that's Part of the appeal, and I went into this oddly enough during the <laughs> Tween Wolf episode, which is I think as a one of the interesting things about Spider-Man, and you actually get a little bit of it in the Chinese Web uh, double feature, the last we, season two, last two episodes, last two episodes of the, of the live action series, which is one of the things we watch for today, aka remember, the Dragons, which Challenge. is that like Peter Parker is not only a kid. You know, you think about, uh, on a completely other note, you know, uh, you know, now there's this influx of hot teachers sleeping with students and then yeah. getting caught. But they're getting caught because what 16-year-old kid is not going to be able to tell his friends? Yeah. Like, gee, I just fucking boned Miss Fletcher. Yeah, Miss Fucacello <laughs> over there. You know, Spider-Man's got this secret that he can't tell anybody, you know? 
Spider-Man's Peter Parker's this nerd, but he can't tell everybody that I'm I'm awesome. Yeah. I'm Spider-Man. Yeah. You know, like I can like I'm amazing. He can beat up what's his face, Flash Thompson or whatever that. <laughs> he can't know. tell anybody. Yeah. You know, and there's part of that, and I think as as readers, you know, comic book readers, especially at that time, are not uh, necessarily the cool kids. Yeah. You know, sci-fi geeks and whatnot. I'm sure a lot of them were reading those comic books and being like, "Yeah, like I'm great. That's me. <laughs> yeah, I'm great." Yeah. But nobody knows it. Yeah, you know? I mean, it, yeah, nerds were reviled, and only until a couple of years ago, you know, they, they made it like nerds are cool. They are okay, <laughs> you know. You know, and it just it appealed to a sensibility that comic books and superheroes specifically never appealed to it by up to that point. yeah and he had a great rogues gallery too i mean oh, I, yeah i went on a binge and read like the first 20 or 25 issues of amazing spider-man and it's like the first 10 issues you have he's fighting vulture he's fighting uh, dr octopus he's fighting sandman he's fighting chameleon he's fighting uh electro you know mm-hmm. so, you, so you have some great you know just like batman or dick tracy rogues gallery you know, i was great in, mega villains in relation to that i would say i would recommend to anybody if you live anywhere near the new york city area and you're a fan of spider-man right now at the society of illustration i believe it's called in the upper east side of new york city they're doing us the art of spider-man exhibit and i went two weeks ago to see it and it's just amazing original pages and splash pages and covers the original art uh they really kind of bill it as this romita thing but uh maybe 50 percent of it is romita senior and then the rest is other art the other spider-man artists um and even the ones that he didn't drew romita might have inked he inked a lot later when he stopped drawing comics and became kind of the art director he would ink a lot of the covers but the it's not huge but it's a really cool little museum that I'd never been to before. How'd you find out about it? Just, um, just through We're the fact the that city. I collect comic book art and kind of heard about it. Unfortunately, I missed like the reception. Uh, the guy who supplied all the art is a guy named Mike Berkey, whose website is RomitaMan.com. Put and a link a, in. <laughs> and he's an art dealer. Yeah. And he's uh, the person who I purchased a lot of my art from. And he's obviously a huge collector. So he's kind of supplied all this art for the exhibition on loan. Uh, you think any of it's for sale? Or is it all from private collections? I don't know if he would sell any of it, you know. He, but he might. I mean, a lot of the stuff I have was stuff that he didn't have on his site. I, like, look, I'm looking for Spider-Man. Ramita Spider-Man at this price range. He's like, well, like he has his own secret stash. That's not necessarily something that he has openly selling. Uh, but he's got one of the great collections of comic book art, art, you know, in existence. And he lent a lot of it out to this. And so you get to see, they even have a few of like the epic uh, Ditko pages, the ones, with the ep- the issue where, you know, Spider-Man, I don't even know where he is, but he's, you know, the thing's falling down, he's holding it, he's getting all the way. There's like these iconic images, yeah. these frames that you know as a Spider-Man fan. Uh, those pages are there, like you see them, and then on the uh, the third, I wa- I walked through the whole thing. It wasn't even that big, and then, um, and some of them have things where they have. There's an app on your phone where you bar, there's barcode, and you scan it, and then you hear Berkey telling you what issue some of the pages are from and what's going on in that issue, and stuff like that. But I walked through it and. I was kind of done looking, and then the second, it's so on the second and third floor is the exhibit. On the third floor 
is there's a little tiny, tiny little bar and seating for for eating, and you're just surrounded by these images. So you, I feel weird like walking around like a table of people eating, like looking at art. But it's actually a cool little thing because by the time I was done, I was like, I looked at everything like three times already. But like I don't want to leave yet. Like yeah, I just yeah, want to yeah. be here. So I just sat down and had lunch in this room of comic book art and just sat there and ate a burger. <laughs> well, I'm just like surrounded by like my favorite thing of all time, Spider-Man art, you know? Yeah. It was uh, truly magical. It was a very cool experience. And I'm definitely going to try to go again. It's running uh, It's running right now. I think it goes to the end of August, like August 26th or something. So if you're into Spider-Man, I would totally recommend uh, going to see that. But with the popularity of Spider-Man, uh, you know, Superman and Batman had been in serials and Superman had the TV shows and, and stuff like that. But by 67, uh, they create the Spider-Man cartoon show. Yeah. Which I think runs from 67 to maybe 70. Yeah. Something around there. And it's there. fabulous. It's a really good example. It's I mean, really cool. I mean, they, they talk about that the art being kind of mediocre or average, but there are things in it animation-wise that are really... Awesome. I mean, Spider-Man isn't drawn as detailed. I mean, even like they don't even go with the web pattern on a lot of his, on his whole costume. Yeah, but a lot of times, the, time. the backgrounds are really cool. Like I watched the origin episode, which is not the first episode. It's like it's like you know number thirty-seven or something like yeah. that. Uh, and I was really shocked at like how cool it was. Well, that's that's my grab on Johnny Quests from the same era. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very oh, much ma- in that style. You know, you have. You know, at one point on the face of it, it's limited animation, it looks like. But at, when you get past it, when you see what they're really doing or what the stories they're telling or just the even the shot compositions they yeah, decide yeah. to draw yeah. and the stuff. And it's oh, the really... The backgrounds are amazing. Yeah, and it's, and it's New York City. So you have a lot of like, you know, 60s period cars and, you know, areas. So, I mean, and it's really... I mean, I, I think the reason why Johnny Quest got canceled was because... Uh, Hanna-Barbera at the time was like, you know, we, these are too serious for us. Like, there's commissions that were getting mad yeah. that, 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 that these were kids were, you know. So they dropped all that adventure line stuff. And that may be even why, like, Space Ghost and Herculoids got dropped. And then you, the next thing was Scooby-Doo. And then they went full throttle in the com- comedy. And that could yeah. be the same thing here where it's like Spider-Man, maybe it's too serious. or you Because know, at the same time, they had Fantastic Four had their own show. Sure. Didn't Hulk maybe have his own show? You know, yeah, of there these was, in, there was a couple of things coming around in the late '60s. Time, you know, yeah. and in, and of course the 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 song, the theme song, oh, for, yeah. it's phenomenal. This the Spider-Man theme song, have so catchy. You didn't have to play in or out the the show with that. Theme. Yes, <laughs> you know. And then we, I love that in 2003, uh, you and I, we were on a Michael Bublé kick when he was doing like all that big band stuff. Oh yeah, before he kind of like went that pop. Sing, sing, sing. He does jazzy a version. He does a version of it where his big band starts and sing, sing, sing the Louis Prima. Uh, pen standard that everyone knows like you know and then it goes into Spider-Man and it's a phenomenal version that I think was really popular overseas because if you look at it up on YouTube he's performing it at like Italian Academy Awards with people and dancers and, you know so I think it was it may <laughs> yeah, have yeah. was a hit overseas yeah. in like in Europe you know but uh, it's such a good song, you know. What I mean, you know, because I'm a jazz, we like jazz, and it's just like, yeah, yeah. you know, it's so swinging, you know. Yeah, it's a cool arrangement. I don't even know if it's on an album here. I don't even know what it was for. I don't know. You got me a copy of that, and then, and then, and then, when I thought of it again many years later, I went online. That's when I found the different uh, iterations of it, like live in Italy and all this stuff. Sure. Like, this is great. So that's it's certainly and so and that show went like the I don't know, say sixty or fifty. They had a lot of ten or twelve minute episodes, and then. I want to say in 2000, 2001 or two, when I was working at the video store, it came out on DVD through maybe Disney 
released it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I remember they, when the box sets. Came yeah, they out. cleaned it up, and it's and it's very much like you own in like the Star Trek, uh, the the animated series, or the Johnny Quest. You know, yeah, it's yeah. just like it's a must have. It's only out for a limited time. Uh, maybe you can still get this, but it's and it looks great. Yeah, you know, so it's very much if you have kids or even yourself, it's a must. So that's really the first incarnation of Spider-Man outside of uh, yeah. off the page. Yeah. And he's and it's the cool thing too is he's fighting unlike when we get into the live action show. He's they 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 have the dramatic license and the ability since they're drawing it yeah. to have him do whatever he wants. So he's fighting Dr. Octopus. He's fighting Rhino. All his freaking you that you end up seeing in the comics, you know. Uh that's amazing, you know. Yeah. That all that all those people make appearances in there like Mysterio or maybe you know I'm probably you know, vulture, but yeah, yeah, yeah. All those, all those guys, guys kind of show up. Yeah, and then the next kind of incarnation of Spider-Man we see is his silent vignettes. Yeah, in the Electric Company, which, um, another amazing, which was a PBS show, educational show. Yeah, uh, much not in the vein of Sesame Street, but. Uh, you know, that educational child's program yeah. that PBS is kind of known for. Yeah, much like 321 Contact. Which I think started age. in 71, but then Spider-Man's first appearance is in 1974. Yeah. And then I think Spider-Man appears from 74 to 76 or 7, maybe one episode into 77. And that's even got a uh, swinging tune. I mean, there's just like it's just like a karaoke night where these guys just come up with a Spider-Man song, and there's a there's a little theme song because it's a little there are all these little vignettes. Yeah. And at the time, uh, Morgan Freeman was on the Electric Company. That's kind of how he got to start. So you can go on YouTube and find these vignettes where they're very much in, in like a comic book form, where people are narrating. It sounds like Stanley wrote it. Because there's one where it's like, "Hey, true believers." Uh, I mean, it's not. It sounds <laughs> yeah. like Morgan Freeman narrating it or kids, but you see them going through almost like Creepshow does the comic yeah. book page, and then they, I think they they it looks like they. Uh, and I do remember as a kid, you know, every you know finding P- it on PBS, yeah, that your company every now and then, and just being so, so like only watching that show with the hope that Spider Man would show up, yeah. Uh, as a Spider-Man, and fan. that's the thing with me is I missed the Electric Company because it wasn't in rerun as much. I was much yeah, more it, like it wasn't contacts. on as often. As no, because I, I think it it went as much as it could. And then when we were in the early '80s, three to one contact was in heavy rotation with like that the Bloodhound Gang and all yeah. that. And then you had all the other stuff they had on like Pinwheel or whatever the hell or Mister Rogers, a huge staple. Sure, yeah. But so I never really understood what the Electric Company's thing was. I mean, it was an educational thing, but I never got the angle. Because I never watched it, yeah, you know, yeah. so I don't know what they were trying to Were they helping kids with numbers or arithmetic? Or yeah, like, I you think know. it was a lot of that. Yeah, and I guess it was all New York stuff, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, that's phenomenal. So, yeah, he makes this appearance, and that's his first live action yeah. appearance. And I just, like I said, it wasn't on as often as the other shows. So, every once in a while, when you would find it on, you know, I would just like watch with like bated breath, hoping Spider Man yeah. was going to show up. Also, when I started getting into the comic books in the 80s, one of the. Um, one of the comic books I collected, not religiously, but often, was in. I was a little kid, and in correlation to electric, the Electric Company TV show, Marvel released a comic book called uh, like Electric Company Presents or whatever, Spidey's Super Stories. Yes. And they were geared more towards child storytelling and uh, morality tales in terms of that way. And... I don't know if they still. I don't think they still do it at comic book stores. But when we were growing up, there would be like the three for a dollar box yeah. by the register. <laughs> Shittiest comic you can find. And they always had every. You know, I didn't go to a lot of comic book stores, but comic book stores seems like every comic book stores had an abundance of these Spidey 
super stories. Yeah. And so that became like one of the first like specific issues I would collect because that, I could get them for, I could get three of them for a dollar. Yeah, I, I I very iconically remember in the eighties going to comic book stores and seeing, you know, the Marvel, you know, how they would have the they prank so much of the comics it had that kind of look with the uh you'd see like the dots. Yeah. You know, for the color or whatever. You know, and then it would in the in the box, you know, where the comic code is or wherever the issue is, you'd have that weird iteration of Spider-Man looking like a like an Ant-Man or something, you yeah, know, with yeah. the with the he was like I don't know, there's there's a name for that character where he's got the the weird nose, it's oh, round. Spider-Ham. Yeah, that that was <laughs> that was like in the, you know, sure, you'd yeah. see that, you know, so, you know, I started picking up Spider-Man in maybe the late 290s is when I got into Amazing cuz I loved Amazing. They were spectacular and there was web of, right? Yeah, and uh, I got in when like when Craven killed himself, so I was there when Venom came to be in Carnage. And then you in had the 330s. Yeah, and then you had the black costume, yeah, came which, up, and you had like the Craven's haunt, last hunt. Yeah, or that's, whatever. that's when I got into it. They just got rid of the black because there was with the what is it the um, in the Secret Wars he got his red suit destroyed. He gets he finds the black suit, yeah, and it's a really great looking suit. But then as the evolution happens is the suit's alive we know he's getting evil and then he puts it away and then you don't see it for like 20 or 30 issues yeah, yeah. and then uh eddie brock maybe is venom's name fine yeah. so i was reading that from sure. like 290 to like i think uh in 340s or 330s is venom's first appearance yeah. then maybe the 360s or 350s is carnage's first appearance i read through all that sure. a lot of i was reading term uh, whatever at the time maybe it was whatever episode it might have been it might have been Dark Knight of the Scarecrow or whatever episode I brought the 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 television TV show Werewolf button in. Okay, I was telling you that I went to this thing, and they were giving Halloween. Yeah, yeah. And I got that button, and I talk about how my grand I wanted a black Spider Man suit, and so my mom bought a black sweatsuit, and my grandmother sewed on a felt giant felt spider white Sweet. spider. And made me a, like a Spider-Man mask. So I went to that thing, dressed in that, that event, in my Spider in my black, in your black Spider-Man, Spider-Man suit. suit. That's sweet. Um, and uh, funny enough, this happened just recently. Uh, for the longest time, I've not for the longest time, but for the last few years, I've had this piece of art, which is a very rare occasion where St- where Ramita draws it and draws an image of Spider-Man or draws a picture and actually colors it. So I have this image of Spider-Man, and it's just, it looks like he's climbing on something, but you don't know what, because it's just the figure of Spider-Man, and he's looking through a magnifying glass. And I could never find what this was. There was speculation that it was from Spidey Super Stories. I went online, and I, you know. So it was a piece of artwork alone that it's was just an element pic- of something. It's just a picture of Spider-Man. Yeah. And, it was and maybe you don't know what the something. background was. Yeah. You know, it's just him on a piece of white paper. So, uh... Last uh, couple weeks ago, here in New York, there's this guy named Kevin. He does these things called Kevin Geeks Out once a month. He does these things at the Alamo Draft House in Brooklyn. And Nighthawk, where he invites, you know, other, like, uh, film nerds like Deanne and I uh, to go and do, like, he'll do a night of, you know, things. And he did, because Spider-Man movie was coming out, he did a night of Spider-Man in, you know, in television and and uh, movies, and to promote that, I believe that John. Did you go to that too? I didn't go to. I'm gonna it. say you you do so much. I feel so stupid. <laughs> I go to work. I, and I go have. home. Because <laughs> uh, you're always going places. Like you did that. Oh, I've been kind of trying to get him to have us go on and do something, but he wants 
us to go to one to see what it's like before we he us is in you and I yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. or even just me or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. you know but I think it would be cool to do like a Saturday night movie sleepover because we would go and like give a lecture on whatever like a movie in in the series of what he's doing maybe he's doing like anti-heroes and then like you could go on and talk about Clint Eastwood or whatever yeah. um, but you do like a 15 to 20 minute lecture kind of thing but he was doing one on Spider-Man and I was like oh man like I can't believe like I wasn't invited to partake in this thing uh, but to promote it John Cribbs is a kid that you, Chris, uh, Deanna and I went to high school with these guys, uh, high, <laughs> went to film school with yeah. these guys, John Cribbs and Chris Funderburg, who have a website called Pink Smoke. And John Cribbs, to promote it, had all these images of Spider-Man. And one of the images that he was using on Twitter to promote it was an issue of Electric Company Magazine, not Spidey Super Stories. And it was Tully Savalas, his head, like a photograph of Tony Savalas' head with Spider-Man looking through a magnifying glass on Tony Savalas' head. Wow. And I was like, holy crap, like that's what it's from. He's been looking at Tony Savalas <laughs> all these years. Like, it's right but, in front of your face. Yeah, like I, not only do I now know what that image was from, but it's from something completely awesome. Yeah. Like just Kojak. Baby. <laughs> just Kojak's bald head is yeah. what he's looking at. Uh, it is really bold. <laughs> so the electric company thing was a big deal for me as a kid. And, yeah, and never. I never really understood why he didn't talk as a kid. Yeah, Still he not would, sure why. The, the only way they communicate with him is he would. There would be weird sounds for him to react, and then they would come up with word balloons, much like two weeks ago yeah, we yeah. talked about with um, the others. That, that's exactly how uh, the book version of Who Framed Roger Rabbit is. That's how they communicate with the word balloons. Yeah. You know, maybe that's where Gary Wolf got the idea. Watching Electric Company for eighty-one, he pens. So seventy-four know. to seventy-seven-ish. We see Spider-Man in the live-action form on PBS. <laughs> on PBS, and then in 1977, I believe September 14th, 1977. Yep. I only know that. Remember that because my birthday is a couple of days before that. Yep. Uh, they premiere on CBS a TV movie of Spider-Man. Yeah, and at the time, I think uh, Hulk is already on CBS. Right. I think Hulk, not when the pilot starts. Okay. Uh, but that's interesting to put into perspective, like what's happening television-wise at that point. I think you'd have Wonder Woman, okay, and you have and you have Six Million Dollar Man is the big yeah. like super, and they were show. huge, and, uh, so much so that we talk about we've been talking about doing is they did two roasts around that time. Yeah, DC roasts hosted by freaking Ed McMahon. Where they did like these ro- comedy roasts, yeah. you know, so like superheroes were in the news and they were doing comics were big and yeah, you know, so they they had iterations of these guys in live action form and. You know, right before Star Wars came, well, this is right when Star Wars came out. You had you know, six sure. million dollar mans with everything. And I think had, CBS even had like a live action, like Shazam, yeah, Mighty ISIS kind of show on Saturday guys, mornings, which stuff. I've never seen and never really knew anything about. But it's it's interesting to put that in perspective because if you look at what the Spider Man live action show is like, instead of being like Spider Man. It's more trying to fit it in the mold of Six Million Dollar Man, yeah, or that Wonder Woman TV show, which I think started on ABC, but then after the first season when it got canceled, CBS picked it up, yeah, and that's why I think you have that discretion. You have a reboot, you yeah, have that like discretion of like it's World War Two, and then after all of a sudden it's, like, it's just present anymore. day, yeah, <laughs> uh, and then. And Six Million Dollar Man, I think, is on another network. It's on maybe ABC or I think it was a yeah. rival to CBS because they ended up trying to fuck with. 
the airing of Six Million Dollar Man because our show, Superman, Spider-Man didn't really air regularly. And when it yeah. did, they put it up against to see who got better ratings against yeah. the... During like sweeps weeks and yeah. stuff to kind of throw the cog in the wheel. Of for, yeah, so that Six Million Dollar Man wouldn't get a, uh, you know... And then you had Bionic Woman at the same time came out shortly after. So in the late 70s, superheroes are really... I mean, then you yeah. have Donner's Superman comes out. And that's well, yeah, huge. that's 79. Yeah. Right? You so know. that's shortly after. That's like right at the tail end of this. Uh, and Incredible Hulk, I think, premieres maybe in between... It's not before the the, the whole yeah, TV the, show is not before the pilot. This pilot, like you but said, it's around aired. the same time as the actual show starts airing. Yeah, this this show uh, this pilot airs September the fourteenth, seventy seven. But then this sh- it doesn't the show gets ordered, and then it doesn't start airing in April of seventy eight. I think. Yeah. And then it runs from April of seventy eight to maybe September or November of seventy nine, and then that's the final. You get that two-parter, the Chinese web, a.k.a. the dragon challenge. Dragon's <laughs> yeah. challenge, because what they end up doing is they, that's another thing, is they tie these, well, I guess we can get into that. Yeah, yeah. So they air, so they, they order this thing called a backdoor pilot, and that's a pilot where they're like, you know, we, we talked about in the Night Stalker. Um, yeah, we did the, the Kolchak Night Stalker, the original TV movie. Yeah, and we talk about TV movies in the 70s and uh, Movie of the Weeks and the CBS having the that wheel of movies. And, you know, there's a lot of great TV movies out there, horror movies, all kinds of movies out there if you haven't seen them. Yeah, we've talked know. at length about TV yeah. movies. Yeah, so, and, we and this will, is a product of it. And we will do more TV yeah, movies. Yeah, of that time because they're phenomenal, I mean, especially even, horror. Even Dark Knight of the Scarecrow was a TV that movie. That was a TV that movie. That and covered. then, you know, people, I'm a Columbo fan. Those Columbo episodes were just TV movies movies that are supposedly a series but they weren't they weren't out every week because of that rotation you'd have one week would be this movie it would be say spider-man and the next week it'd be columbo in that time slot you know so uh this movie this show comes out and and i think they say it does really well when it airs it ended up getting a good um it got the second highest ratings of the year for cbs it garnered a 17.8 rating out of a 30 share which is uh tv talk for getting a pretty good rating but it was lukewarm for the the for I guess the you know the the uh, demographic that people want is the eighteen to forty five. That's the the yeah. coveted demographic for, for anything. The, yeah, and you know, and even especially nowadays. for primetime television. Yeah, and and something this fair where it's superhero ish. So it was good enough for them to 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 order a series, and they get what do we have? Thirteen episodes. Yeah, counting this. Yeah, maybe. You know, so that's not very much, and then it doesn't air that regularly. Yeah, it doesn't have like a permanent. It doesn't have a very specific permanent time slot, so it's just like as a viewer, I hate when that happens. Yeah, the fire because you never on. know when the house going to yeah. be on. <laughs> so it doesn't help the series really. So you you know you can't find an audience when you're trying to have the ca- audience guess when you're going to be on. Yeah. I mean, it was much more simpler back then because you only had about five channels, but at the and it was on one of the major three, but the. Here, it's just that, you know, uh, reception was lukewarm. And then at the same time, I mean, they, it was getting good ratings, but CBS at one point, I don't know why, they just got fed up and they were like, we don't want to be known as the superhero network anymore. Yeah, by that time, they had the In Incredible 79. Hulk and they had Wonder Woman and they had that Shazam show. and uh, So they can't end And they up- had, I think they even had those TV movies maybe of Captain America and Doctor Strange. Yeah. By the late 70s, they were, you know, I think there was... There were these TV movies, Captain America and Doctor Strange. Yeah, which, which then predates the 1990 or 91 Captain America. Movie. Yeah. You know. And I think all of a sudden they kind of realized that they were 
maybe being pigeonholed as this yeah. superhero network. Or at the same time, what's popular uh, counter to this is Buck Rogers. Is uh, uh, what's the other one um, everyone likes that just redid with the G, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. You know, all these all By that sci-fi 70s, stuff yeah. was big. You know, so they end up canceling Spider-Man and Wonder Woman, but they keep Hulk, and that runs until, like, 82, I think. Yeah. You know, I don't know when uh, Six Million Dollar Man or Bionic Woman went off the air. Well, Hulk, ha- Incredible Hulk, and I'm sure we talked about this when we did the trial for the Incredible Hulk TV movie from the early ni- late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, with the Daredevil. Um, Actually, that might have been, like, 80... 80- that's 85 or no, 6 no, or 7. No, I think it was later, because I remember thinking that it's right around the time as Batman. Okay. So it might have been, like, 89 or 90. Because there's ones before... I think there's that's one. That's what I'm getting confused with. There's a series of them that they did there's after. A, there's the a couple. There's one yeah. with the Thor. There's one where Thor's a thing, and then there's. But there's one Guess before that. Yeah. Before the one we did. Because that was the thing is when the series would end, they did that with Kojak. You'd have them come back in TV movies. Oh, movie sure. Form, even know. Bionic. Yeah. Even Bionic Woman and uh, you know. Suspend Dollar Man had in the late 80s, early 90s had a TV movie. When they or got two. married. Yeah. 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 I mean, even here, they the Spider Man was almost going to team up with. Um, with uh, yeah, they're the talking about in the mid 80s. Uh, in bringing back Spider-Man for and a TV movie for all the all, and all we can get that later on. But so this 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 airs and it does well enough. And the pilot is uh, a really interesting idea because that's another big thing at the time. Um, having a uh, the, the plot of the pilot is that there's a there's a one of these gurus who are doing mind control and having people sure. do things subliminally. We see that with the Manchurian Candidate some years before, and then same. Year in 1974, there's a book that's a, a thriller called Telephon T T E L E F O N because that's how Russian spells telephone, and that was a bestseller. And then it comes out in December of 77. Uh, it comes out in a movie with Charles Bronson with Don Siegel, who we talked about last week. He directs it with Donald Pleasance, mm-hmm. and it's a, a movie I, I'd love to get to at some point where it's an espionage where these people are normal people in America don't know what's going on, and sure. they get a phone call, something said to them, and they start destroying things. Yeah, yeah. You know, these well, Russian a lot of ways, sales. this idea of uh, you know, and this this idea of like the self help age of the late 70s yeah is also transcendental meditation and all that yeah, kind of stuff yeah it's also a little bit of what like the 78 vision of yeah, body snatchers that, yeah it's is playing on that playing on that yeah. idea of the to, you know that's when um yeah i have all those different eastern religions come over here or like uh holly krishna's are big over here and you know that's when yoga hits you know and all that kind of you know doing stuff for your body so you have that that plot of you know and it's a great it's a really ingenious plot sure. you know for a thing like that and the guy who plays him Th- Thayer T-H-A-Y-E-R David who's a character actor showed up two years later in the Iris Sanction with Clint Eastwood and, and he's a great kind of heavy guy who you see once in a while yeah well that's what the cool thing about watching shows t- television from that back then yeah. like looking back at it as you see all these people like the guy who plays J. Jones Jameson in the pilot is the guy who plays David White plays uh, Darren's boss in Bewitched yeah you know you start you see all these you see all these people you know yeah uh, Len Lesser who people know nowadays is Uncle Leo who he was in, yeah. he's in Kelly's from, Heroes from Seinfeld yeah he's in it as a heavy you know he had a thing uh, Robert Hastings who I love who plays Monaghan um, one of the cops in this people will know from McHale's Navy but People our generation will know him as the voice of Commissioner Gordon on Batman the Animated Series. You know, he's a very iconic yeah. telev- um, voice actor in the 70s and 80s. You'll hear his voice everywhere once you get to know it. And it had a whole bunch of people that, um, you know, 
came back and forth. Michael Pataki, who is your guy, who plays the the police commissioner, or he, he plays um, the sergeant in the pilot, ends up being uh, Rocky Four. He's Drago's uh, like, Man- like yeah manager, yeah. you know, you know, and he's in a uh, and he also ends up becoming um, on Batman the animated series. He's the voice of the Sewer King. Yeah, in an episode, you know, like well, that. even when we get to the and he's an Auto Man that show that Mike Vanderbilt gave us the uh, <laughs> novelization, novelization of. So like you see, like yeah, if you watch seventy shows of uh, you know episodic television, well, even the eighties, I mean, as my uh, as my contractual obligated Twenty One Jump Street reference. Yeah, watching that show, not just seeing the young actors. You know, Brad Pitt and Vince Vaughn and yeah. Christina Applegate, like, in episodes of 21 Jump Street. But you, but you also get to see, like, Seinfeld's dad plays Johnny Depp's, you know, partner in the pilot. Yeah. <laughs> the pilot yeah, so play. you have these great, you know, the Sidney Clute shows up on Spider-Man in the series. He ends up being on Cadney and Lacey as the Detective LaGuardia, you know. Yeah. So you have a lot of great cameos. And uh, the pilot, I thought, was really good. You know, I mean, it's... it's it, the I think... The thing you have here is in the seventies, you know, like especially with Six Million Dollar Man, it's so glorified. You're like, you, know, you can't wait to watch it, and it's much like a, a box of chocolates in the sense where you can't really binge a whole box of chocolates. Yeah, yeah. You're only able to have a couple at a time and small doses, and that's it. And that's where you, some of these shows at the time suffer. They suffer from that pacing issue because you know you got to see who they're yeah. trying to market the show to or the story. And I think with with the live action show, they said that they really wanted to uh, because of budgetary reasons. Uh, they wanted to make it more realistic and they wanted to just kind of get rid of the supervillain aspect of it, which yeah, is a shame, well, they, you know? They wanted to appeal to everyone. Yeah. And they were afraid that having supervillains every episode was going to be too juvenile and yeah. that they wouldn't be able to attract the, the kids, the parents of the kids that were into Spider-Man. Yeah. So they tried to be like, they should say, like, kids will come to it because it's Spider-Man. And then we'll just try the believability to, of making it more yeah. realistic. And then we'll try so. to just do like caper, run of the mill, <laughs> yeah, gangsters in leisure suits. You know, you know like the people 70s. trying to steal an atomic bomb from these kids that create one in college. <laughs> yeah, you know, every once in a while you'd have an element of the supernatural. But even when we flash forward to the last uh, TV movie of the sh- of the series, uh, Chinese Web, it's like about like they're trying to assassinate like a foreign dictator. Yeah, it gets from very Hong convoluted, Kong. you know. And it's one of those. That's a two parter where by part two. Uh, you see this in a lot of storytelling of the '70s. I noticed quickly where a lot of the once those onion layers of plot fall yeah. away, you never they never really go back to them. Like there's a at the beginning of that uh, two parter, the Chinese connection. You have the uh, Jameson, who's now played by um, the other gentleman, who's also a alum of um, Bewitched. Uh, his friend, whose college friend, is this Chinese diplomat, and he asks him to help him. And the plot is that. Back in 46, post-war, they were in China. Some Marines came up to him and asked him to, to be spy on Mao at the time. He said no. And now he's trying to get back into communication with them because uh, he wants to figure out if they were double-dealing. So Jameson, uh, uh, who's a very different character from the comic books, enlists spy, uh, you know, Peter, Peter Parker. Parker to help him. And then by the time you get to part two, when they go to Hong Kong for the second half of these, this story, you completely forget about the, uh, the uncle. Or the, yeah, you know yeah. the, the the Jameson's best friend, and then like I think at the end of the second episode when they're saying their the goodbyes, there is a throwaway line like, "Oh, I called my uh, uncle; he's doing much better because <laughs> he got shot or he almost died of yeah. a heart attack at the in the end of the first." Also, one. part of the you know part of the issue with the, the live action show is you do away with that 
element of uh, with great power comes great responsibility. We we Peter Parker's older. He's in college. He's a physics student, but his hobbies. You know, electronics and stuff. Yeah, he's and I, in Intrepid University. He's, he's going there. And uh, he lives with Aunt May, but I don't think we even see Aunt May in the pilot. We do because she's calling down for him to come get food and yeah. stuff. And she, she shows up in the pilot and then she... she Apparently she's in, she's in the show a few times throughout the series, but it's always played by someone different. Yeah, and it's a different actress from the pilot as well. Yeah. And they live in this nice Victorian house in Queens, supposedly. Yeah. And um, he... I, he's at Dr. Banner's lab, and, I, and that's a connection to David or, or uh, Bruce Banner, yeah. the Hulk. But I don't know if that's ever followed through. And then he gets bit by the spider, goes back. And then you have a lot of this, uh, when he realizes he has these powers, we haven't said yet, by played by Nicholas Hammond, the actor who um, has had his first starring role or, or on-screen role. He's one of the kids in the... He's one of the Van Trapp children in Sound of Music. Yeah, he's the oldest kid in, in, in Sound of Music, but he also, his first screen appearance is in Lord of the Flies. He's one of the, oh, yeah, yeah, the kids right. in Lord of the Flies. The black and white version of Lord yeah. of the Flies. Um, he also appears in, like, uh, you, can, you can catch him on stuff like Brady Bunch. Yeah, he's in a lot like of a 70s. guy that, like, Marsha likes. An yeah. of and he's, Brady like, in the episode of Hawaii Five-0, a lot of uh, episodic stuff, and then he, he lands this role in the 70s. And, uh, and I always thought it was interesting because... Because obviously he doesn't look like the Peter Parker from the comic books. Yeah. And then when you flash forward to like '94, is it when they do the the Spider-Man animated series that kind of we grew up with with the computer animation Spider-Man, Spider-Man, like that? Like, yeah. Well, yeah. it had that opening and yeah. like some of the city stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was computer animated. Like they don't make Peter Parker look like Peter Parker from the comic books, but they make Peter Parker look like Nicholas Hammond. Yeah, they do. He looks he looks like a grown up, you know. And Nicholas Hammond in this, I I, I was looking at him, I was like, Jesus, he looks like he's in his forties. Then I went and looked at he was only born in nineteen fifty. So if you if you do the math, he's only like twenty six or twenty seven when he shot yeah, this. And I'm people like, just look older sakes. back then, you know. I know, or is it just because we're befalling that because we're the, of that age? We're ten years older than he was when he shot all that. <laughs> You know what I mean? So you know, it was we were when we were watching it. I find a very big uh, Mark Lynn Baker, cousin Larry from Perfect Strangers. The quality about him, and sometimes oh, when we watch, yeah, it, you know, just like his facially. I mean, he was he's a better looking guy than Mark Lynn Baker was, but there's just things about him that remind me of Mark Lynn Baker from from Perfect Strangers. In the uh, and he he wants to play the character as more. He he thought it was a challenge to play it more realistic. Yeah, and he wanted to play that to be more believable and grounded in the reality, and not be it too. He his fear was because everybody the the first thing in nineteen circa seventy six or seventy seven you think of is the Batman sixty six show. Yeah, very campy, but that was popular at the time. But then that sunk like a weight in sixty seven or sixty eight when the campiness went out the window. So that was what he was worried of. You know, he was like, listen, if we're going to do another comic book show, I do not want yeah. it to be uh, spoofing sure. or light. So that was his conscious yeah. decision of acting, but. Like I said, we lose the Uncle Ben death in yeah. the origin. Uh, we lose his trying to profit off of it. It very quickly becomes that he gets intertang- at the same point that he's bitten, he gets intertangled with this plot of the people uh, mind control of the mind control yeah. plot because he almost gets hit by a car that's being driven by one of the people that's under the you know under the. The, Subconscious the, the, the control of this guy. <laughs> the control who, you know, of this, he's, guy. this guy's having to rob banks, and it's 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 pretty cool idea. And then he threatens the city. He's like, 
you know, 10 prominent people are going to commit suicide at the same time because I have them under my control. They don't even know it unless you don't give me like $50 million, which in the 70s was like 50 billion. You know, you think about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in this show, it's so right when you figure out he, he has his powers, you have this little funny sequence where he goes out outside his window and he, and he crawls yeah. up and down the Victorian house. And, and what they had done is I think they just superimposed him over. Yeah, yeah. And it looks really good, like, but you could tell you know, now. really kind of uh, primitive keying like blue screen kind of keying of just like shots of the house with him walking like over him superimposed over yeah that. And i mean it, you know it holds up okay but it's funny just him some walking of the, around some of the you know, shots hold up all right you have this uh soundtrack that's that's going on where it reminds me of 70s porn where you know a lot of people forget that you know music studio musicians had to work in the 70s yeah, yeah. so the fun thing about I love I have such a huge affinity for seventies porn because there was storytelling. They tried to put a plot in. They tried to make it look artsy. And you had these greats. I mean, you have entire scores of just studio musicians like yeah. come shot. You know. Yeah, yeah. So here it's like I would love that to be the next wave of the horror soundtracks in vinyl reissues. And now that's bled over to even non-horror soundtrack reissues of these score of these film scores. Yeah, I would love like the next wave of popularity, and I'm happy to join in with like Mondo or Death Waltz, whoever does this, and try to revive all those porn, all these like '70s and '80s background music. For, you know, because the music's awesome in this. Yeah, and then you get like all the background music in like GI Joe. Yeah, is awesome. Like oh, yeah. I would love Scooby Doo to... for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would just start to, to like not find even find like... it all out of the vaults. I mean, the the porn stuff like uh, Beyond the Green Door or like Debbie Does Dallas or Deep Throat that stuff's been released compilations yeah. or the themes but like stuff like this where it's just you like know, the incidental music of yeah. 70s and 80s television yeah, sometimes car- cartoons so or whatever you know yeah it's so like this is so 70s jam bandy kind of like just you know fucking around so you have a lot of that a lot of these sequences where it's just you know behind it and stuff's going nuts and then he kind of just has the idea of the costume and he you know, he, I think it's because my recollection is it's like because because well, people saw him the first people time. People saw him, and Jameson wants pictures of him. Yeah, it's so like, he's I like, can't, I can't, I can't take pictures of myself. You know, and yeah. he, it, the, the thing I noticed with you were talking about the stuff that isn't translated over from the comic book, like the, you know, his a lot of the stuff that humanizes or the identity for characters with him, with him being you know socially awkward in high school and all that, which is gone yeah. now. The other thing here is his spider sense I see is weird. I always interpreted Spider-Man's spider sense as like, you know, if, if a piano is about to fall on my head, it's me for the spider sense to get out of the way as opposed yeah. to he's in the show is getting spider sense almost like he's seeing a vision of what's about to happen and it's a purse getting snatched or yeah, yeah. stuff that doesn't have anything to do with him but is in the area. Like you'll have this, uh, at least in the pilot of this you'll have him it'll do something a little crazy and you might see like a red negative of what's happening but then once you get into the show they do an effect where they like have his, his eyes, eyes like glow. zoom in like at like we were just talking about i think with frame rod drab they do like the optical printer like move in to his face his eyes like glow, glow and, you <laughs> and then you cut to like a red negative image of whatever he's seeing and that's the spider sense so for me it's it was interesting that he's seeing spider sense of yeah. what's going on around him it's the fairy yeah, I guess it's like you know? how do you depict that 
visually, yeah. I would imagine is more than anything. Like, how do you depict that spider sense? Or even what he, like what's in his, the comic book, it's just like waves, yeah. like wavy lines, and then it's head. red. But I mean, even like it seems like it's a different vehicle here, where it's yeah. it's showing him crime. It's happening. A little premonition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As opposed to just well, watch out, you know, you're about to get hit by a car or something like that. So you have, yeah, you have him get thrown into the plot here of this show. He runs up a building, and then it's very, it's very funny, you know. And a lot of it, I don't know if I ever made that point so long ago because I was rambling about the 70 shows is like the uh, $6 million man is uh, a lot of it's slow. Yeah, yeah. And it's slow. It's 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 uh, severely slow compared to nowadays. Sure. And you have to have a temperament for it. You know, and I think this kind of suffers where some of it is slow because it's, you know, there's only certain periods where he's doing exciting stuff. And it was never Hammond who did any of this stuff with the mask yeah, on. Yeah. You have this... Um, Great uh, uh, stunt man named um, Freddie Wait W A U G H Watt maybe sure. he uh, he plays he was the stunt coordinator coordinator on the show and he played Spider Man every time with the mask is on and we need to stop down and just for a minute you look at like any kind of superhero movie nowadays there's the majority of it's CGI, yeah. no matter what they're doing. You have a, a series here in the 70s where you have a guy in a costume with a, you know, when you're shooting film, that's heavy apparatus. So you have a guy in a costume that's actually doing stuff on the side of buildings going up and down. And then they have these great shots where there's like POV. POV. Shots, yeah. So that means for the POV, this guy has to have like on his back a camera. Yeah. To, so he's lugging yeah. like... Basically, you see, like, his hand, you see his hand moving up the building, and then you'll see like the camera look over his shoulder down to yeah, show down the, the audience that like we're on the t- we're on the side of a building. Yeah. <laughs> so this guy, this stuntman, did all the, all that physical stuff, and a lot of it is cool. You know, some of it is superimposed, like we said, of him running up and down the building. But the majority of it is actually this guy. You know, on a, on a on wires going up and down buildings, yeah. he gets to and the top, he turns around. Cool. Yeah, it looks great. Even here in the pilot, you have a, an instance where he swings on a web, which I guess they reused a lot in the series. Yeah, and that's very dangerous. So they didn't do it that yeah, much. It took like two days to set up the apparatus to the figure that out, and, and I the, and make sure it was safe. It could be because we were watching shitty SD quality versions of it, but. Both these episodes we watched, uh, the the pilot and then the two-parter, I didn't see any wire, you know, you didn't see any wires. It looked like he was, you know, going up and down. And that is a phenomenal feat to have a guy, you know, this guy crawls up to the top of the building and in the same shot, he he then turns and faces head down. Yeah, yeah. And he's fucking around and does the spidey pose and he's like, then he turns up and goes up again. Like, that's, that's, you know, and this is, this guy's doing stuff without a helmet. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I mean, it, I mean, we have, I want to see a, you know, we have a, a a day now where you can have Tom Cruise on the side of an airplane take off. Mm-hmm. I want to see a superhero movie where you have the guys actually doing, I mean, I'm not saying killing themselves, yeah. or, but as much as they can, let's see a stuntman go up a building now. Yeah, so yeah. this is quite phenomenal, the feats that they did with this show. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if we flash forward to the, we, you know, we had debated on what we were going to do with this show. Were we going to do the pilot? Were we going to do the whole series? Yeah. And we kind of ended up deciding, uh, like, let's let's watch the pilot. Let's watch the first episode, which would later in syndication become a two-parter. In which, and was released theatrically in some uh, overseas and stuff. Which was like, therefore, it's also a theatrical movie. Yeah. Which plays is into also more in line with what we do. And then... Uh, partially because in my, in my, in the, in the Saturday Night Movie Sleepover art, art archive, uh, which we were talking about me collecting art, uh, I have this giant Turkish movie po- release poster 
of the cha- of the dragon's challenge uh which is the re- last two parter which is the last two parter which was a tv movie at the end of uh or uh, it was either tv movie or two parter that was was the last episodes of the show uh and the poster is awesome the poster is and i don't know if we'll, we'll put my a picture of mine up because because there are posters with the same art that are not in turkish uh, but I have a, this giant movie poster because that was released as a feature-length movie in, in overseas in Europe. They they lumped these episodes together. They would sometimes shoot new scenes at the Bugle to have these two. Say they they did this with a lot of the episodes too in the eighties. I guess they would yeah. sometimes theatric they'd lump two unrelated episodes together and they'd have like a segue of them at the Bugle or whatever. And so you would go to the movies to see this. Yeah. Uh, so they would have release posters. So I have this giant poster, and it's awesome. It's like a giant picture of Spider-Man doing like a high kick, and in the background you have like an action scene where he's just like kung fu and the crap out of yeah. a bunch of guys. No, you... And mine I had signed by Stan Lee, but uh, sweet. So I bought the poster because it was just awesome. And so when we were gonna do this, I was like, well, we have to do the Chinese web because I I have the poster list and it looks. Oh, I was awesome. wondering what your I didn't know what your, your motivation as opposed to like we start with the beginning, we'll end with the it end. It was partially yeah. both. It was like I have this awesome poster, uh, so we can t- play, we can talk about like the fact that this amazing poster. It's like one of my favorite movie posters of all time because it's Spider Man, fucking being awesome. Uh, so we have something to represent that it was a, it was theatrically released overseas, so it's a movie, and then it just seemed like a good way of like let's book instead of watching the whole series, let's book in the yeah. series by watching the pilot and then watching the last two episodes. And I would say that the last two episodes are pretty rough. Yeah, it's pretty. You know, um, it's very long, drawn out, and uh, the one. <sighs> Because I forgot my notes, there's the Asian woman who plays the main Asian intru- uh, influence, uh, love interest in love it. interest in the mo- in the show. Uh, she's someone that you've seen a million times. Yeah, she's like in the Freaky Friday with James uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and and uh, even Lucy the guy Lohan. at the end of the episode where she uh, when she takes him to the doctor, the doctor she, he's and stuff. He's, he's very young. Of, he's one of the guys. He's one of the I think it's they're Koreans in Rambo Two. He's oh, the okay. guy that gets like blow. He's standing there and he gets blown up by like the missiles. From the other guy. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, is, and yeah, they only had five guys in the eighties to do everything because you know. Yeah, but the, she. The, you see this woman? She's very yeah. young here. She was in a lot of television. I mean, Ted Danson shows up in a Ted cameo. Ted Danson's in a scene. He, he showed up as a colonel in in, in an uh, episode before. So Banner, go and Banner. Parker goes back to him for help, and he shows up in an episode of Colonel Collier. See a young Collier. Sam Malone before he plays baseball and then opens a bar. Uh, Collings, uh, yeah, he's in it. And then um, what I was really noticeable with this is my issue I've been having when we rewatching the Kojak or the Cagney Lacey is that the majority of it is shot in L.A. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, it's kind of easy for Kojak. What they would do is, you know, they'd shoot half of it in the city, and then they would shoot half of it on back, back lots. So you can kind of tell when they're in a the studio back lot. Yeah. Cagney Lacey in the '80s is they would shoot a lot of it in the downtown area. So you, and they would be inside the car, and then they would shoot the other half in this in New York City. So you, it's hard for, harder to distinguish. Yeah. Here, you kind of just have to give up. You're like, fuck it, because they're going to have a lot of skylines. He's going to sure. be on top of buildings. Yeah. There's, so you, you know, there's clearly some stuff shot yeah. in. New York, I mean, like there's a he lot runs, of, runs down into the subway station, yeah, or he's up on the Empire State Building. You know, yeah. there's a because in this in the Chinese connection or Chinese web, the Empire State Building is like a hotel. Because at the end of the first, the pilot, uh, our guru puts these buttons 
and that's how the button goes off, and that starts the yeah. simple little it message. Able, it gives him like a little pin button on his the lapel, people, which is the people how he's brainwashed them. Yeah, and then he hits it on, and he then it signals them, and that's the button. noise they hear to, to turn on whatever they're programmed to do. So Parker does it, and Parker goes up to the top of the Empire State Building. He wants him to jump off, and Parker's about to jump off, but his button gets hit by the fence, and thank the fucking thank God, goodness, because then the series wouldn't have gone anywhere, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And then, uh, so that was in New York City, you know, yeah. that, so there were aspects of it, but it didn't seem like they shot as much as they I was also, reason, the other reason why I wanted to do this one is because I was also intrigued because this was the only one that was shot outside, you know, had parts shot outside of New York and, and L.A. Like, yeah. they actually went to Hong Kong and Yeah, shot, yeah, they so, shot a good, but, they must have. Like, I mean, the whole second episode. It's all shot on location in Hong Kong, so they had to have a deal there. I can't see them springing the budget. And, and flying over, they had to be. So doing I was something also else. just intrigued of like you know? I would love to see like what like just them shooting yeah. China. And then you know a lot of people turned around. We I think in the when the show in season one of the show we have uh, what's his face uh, Michael Pataki as Captain Barbera. He's in the first season with his sidekick Monahan Robert Hastings. But then when they do season two, they drop him yeah. and they bring in uh, Byron Healy as Lieutenant Olson, who's in a he's a crap load of. 50s, yeah. 60s character stuff, and they kind of revamp. Uh, Chip Fields is the African American uh, reporter with them, plays Rita, and then you have Ellen Bree as yeah. Julie. They so you introduce have new... like a possible love interest slash photography yeah. rival. Uh, so we see her, where it's like you know they have you know there's a little bit of a sexual tension between as much as you could have in a Spider-Man show in, yeah. in the late 70s between them. But she's also a photographer working for the Daily Bugle. So at the same time, they're also kind of like professional rivals Yeah, is her role. And they're hinting at some, a little something more. But then what I was kind of getting at, and I hinted about it earlier, is you get the most, the best thing about the, the, the Chinese web to me is you get this. The last ed- two episodes of the yeah. series. Is that you get this instance where you got the foreign dignitary and his niece, and Peter Parker's there, and then these guys come in to kill him, and Peter leaves. Yeah, to be to become to change into Spider Man to save the day. But the niece is like, "You're a coward." Yeah, she tells him off. It's You're like an the asshole. Of, that's and that's the end of like the the, <laughs> the, the, the the that's the finale of the first episode almost. And that's and that's to me was like that's what I was getting at with. When we're talking about the the success of the of the comic is like you have this great thing that you can do. You're amazing, no pun intended, yeah. or pun intended, dun, dun, dun. or spectacular. <laughs> You're spectacular, sensational, and amazing. Yes, but Excelsior. you can't. But you can't tell anybody. Yeah, and so I actually love that. It's he's a very, gotta, he's gotta live with being that. Kind of a very small moment. Yeah. Ultimately, because the next scene, she kind of forgave him. No, she she's still being a dick until the uncle's like, "I need yeah. you guys to be to trust each other." Because you see that in the pilot where he's he's talking to the girl and and then her father is one of the people under hypnosis. He's hypnotized. He's at the hospital. He starts to try to jump out of a window and then spotted. Uh, Parker disappears and saves him and then comes back and she's like, where the fuck you go? He's like, I don't know. You know, but then at the end, Peter, uh, Spider-Man gets hit with like a poison dart and, uh, in the, in the Chinese, in in Hong Hong Kong. Kong, And then they take him to it. She takes him to it, takes Spider-Man to a doctor and the doctor takes off his mask. And there's the revelation like, Oh, he's like Peter Parker. Spider-Man is Peter Parker. He's not a coward. And it seems like a really harder to, uh, to hide the identity because, the, when they go save the the guy that needs help in the the Chinese connection because they he gets kidnapped while they're in like they're walking through the streets of Hong Kong and they put a blindfold on him and it's hilarious that 
once they put this blindfold on him, he can't hear anything around him either because these people are talking right in front of him, like, we're going to kill him later on. He's just like, you know, he's not like taking anything in. So at the end, when Spider-Man saves the day, he takes the blindfold off the guy in, in, in the office and he's like, Spider-Man, I didn't know you worked in this part of the world. And he's like, I don't usually, you know, so it's like, yeah, I, yeah. I feel like you could, you know, it's very easy for him to get, you know, yeah. his identity uh, But then revealed. you get this nice little moment at the end when he's going to fly back to America. And she's like, I'm going to stay. And that's when you said she brings up, like, oh, yeah, I called my uncle. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's okay. But there's this great moment where she's, he's like, was my secret safe? She's like, of course, but I got no one to tell anyway because I'm staying here. And yeah. then there's like, you they know, there's a look, they kiss. And then he says, you know, we ever come back? He's like, well, now I have a reason to, you know. Yeah, it's a nice little. You know, I do have to say going back to um, for shits and giggles here. Uh, Nicholas Hammond, when he's walking down the street, I think his pants, he's probably wearing like, uh, like I don't know what kind of, you know, like, uh, slacks he's wearing, but his piece rivals David Bowie's in the labyrinth. Because, <laughs> I mean, in that pilot, all I'm seeing is just, it looks like he's wearing a cup and a sock. Junk. Yeah, it's just, just you, know, it, 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 you know, I don't know if he's wearing like Hayguard slacks or Botany 500 or whatever he's wearing. That, that thing is huge in there and it's like almost uncomfortable. But, but that was the time. Yeah. You know? And but I think one thing we definitely have. Okay, so we got the dra- dragon's challenge. Maybe we can use that as like the uh, the poster for the uh, yeah for for the posting. But then it's awesome. Stanley doesn't end up liking the series. Oh no, because you know, it's not Spider Man. Yeah, he says they left out the humor, the human element, the characterization, uh, and, it, and that that was the one. It became like a one dimensional show. They brought Stanley on technically as a script consultant is his title. Yeah. But he constantly argues and butts heads with the producers because he has a certain way of doing it. And I can see why the producers well, his, at the time. It's his child. Yeah. And he thinks that what he did was is why Spider-Man works. So if you, know, you change that. And he brings it up. He, there's an interview where he says, like, it's like any book you adapt. You know, when they adapt, uh, adaptation yeah. of a book and they leave out that one element that makes that book so good in the adapt, the, the film adapted, you're like, yeah. what the hell? And he's like, this is what they did here. He was also very excited. I mean, this was before the Hulk. Even. Yeah. So, you know, he was excited that, you know, Bat- Superman had the George Reeves show and had the serials, had... Batman had the the, uh, the 60s yeah. TV show. He was excited that like his one of his... It's going to go into that category. And then when it doesn't really, it's not a hit. I mean, it does well enough, but they cancel it, and you know, uh, especially if they cancel it because it wasn't even ratings wise. It was doing <laughs> enough, you know. They just cancel because they don't want to be known as that. That's like sucks. But you know, this is because the one thing we have to talk about before we wrap it up is the Japanese live action TV show. But I will say that you know, as a kid, it was just exciting. Yeah. You know, like when you watch Batman now, you think it's really cheesy and kind of campy. But I remember as a kid watching it, it like it was fucking that was straight one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And then at the time too, that was <laughs> people don't realize, but that was uh, it's such a different way of thinking and mentality back then. But that was straight. People watched that for not for laughs. They were into it that way. There was like twenty kid, twenty year old. There was like college kids that loved it for the campy silliness. Of yeah. It. But if you were a little kid, like we were watching it in reruns and syndication, like this, it was absolutely serious. Yeah. Awesome. It was like edge of your seat yeah batman was playing <laughs> talking to you you know like you know so that you know so that was this thing here where so it's here it's like it's so a very, serious it's a very different show and it's very sl- slow and less geared towards uh children but just by for me anyway by virtue of being an absolute spider-man fanatic my entire life yeah like i was totally every when these tv movies would pop up on tv it was like must see television yeah. like i was saying we my dad took it to the party and i was like I, we can go but i need to watch spider and i need to watch it now <laughs> yeah so he you know it ends up being that um 
a, fen- a fundamental thing that you see that once the show gets canceled, they it, it just re- doesn't yeah. go into rerun that well. They turn it to TV movies. Sure. Doesn't even get it. it gets, and then Superman comes. Then Donner Superman comes out like the same year that it it gets canceled or whatever. And then superheroes are a whole different thing. Yeah, now. they're a theatric. They're a theatrically released feature. Of, length movie and then people thing. forget in the 80s marvel uh, you know aside from the cartoon bits on tv saturday mornings marvel really suffered with you know they couldn't get the spider-man off the ground with what is a canon or whoever or yeah, Orion. Canon was going to do it and then cameron james cameron was going to do it for a while in the 90s and, and then you had kevin smith wrote a script for it everybody was attached to it you had all this stuff and then you know and i remember that because you and i always talk about how we have 20 years ago was yesterday. I remember that was the biggest joke that Marvel can't get their shit together. DC's yeah. able to with Batman and, you know, they did Superman, some other stuff, yeah. Superman, you know. And now Marvel's kicking Batman's tail, sort of. Yeah, yeah. You know, so at the, in the time, that's why, what is that? Stan Lee sold a lot of the rights, licensed it Well, to, Marvel as a business was going to fold. I mean, yeah. because... Uh, this was the eight. This was late seventies, early eighties. This was before that big comic book revival, which is one of the reasons why all the comic books you and I collected aren't worth anything anymore yeah. because they just printed them like they were. Yeah, in the mid nineties, it, it kind of. A... But but at, at the beginning, Stanley and just to save the company, to save Marvel from from folding, he sold off the film rights. Yeah, the Punisher, to Spider Man, so- you know, to whatever Daredevil, whatever so- Sony was before it became X Men, all stuff. Fantastic Four. So that's why we talked about this two weeks ago, or whatever. That's why certain characters, X Men, don't appear because they're owned by different Spider Man's owned by what, this Sony, and yeah. you know, Fantastic Four is owned by Fox as well as X Men and Daredevil. You know, so various people own them. So that's why you don't, even though they're Marvel, they don't they don't cross. Yeah. You think when you know the, the Avengers are blowing up Grand Central over there, you think Spider Man would come and help. You know, <laughs> I mean, where the hell is everybody else? It's his yeah, city. Yeah. You know, but uh, and then uh, we do have a, a Spider Man tracker, the Tracer, which is big in the comic books. That makes an appearance here, which yeah. I guess, which he I guess had made an appearance in a couple of episodes. Yeah, and that, but we see that in the Chinese web, and that's not uh, played on again until this movie coming out today, the Homecoming. I guess you get the Spider Spider Man uh, tra- tracker or whatever they call it, Tracer. Uh, and then I think that's about it with the 70s show. I felt like we had something else. Uh, and then we, we, I know we, we glossed over the kind of the, uh, the plots of those two episodes, but yeah, well, you know, the thing I'm is sure like, there's better episodes in the canon. Yeah. You know, yeah. Exciting but, but, ones. I mean, maybe probably so better hard to get probably better than the Chinese web. Yeah. But, uh, you know, on the whole, it's. It's not the best representation of Spider-Man. But I, I think you'd agree that uh, I saw a recent article on Den of Geek where they were talking about um, that they it deserves a proper release, a DVD. Oh, sure, up. yeah. I mean, you've got Warner Archives and all those other subsidiaries putting out everything under the kitchen sink. I would buy it. Yeah, I think there would be a lot of people who would. <laughs> I mean, they put out the 60s cartoon shows yeah. of all them. You know, you can get them. Why not put this out in its entirety in the chronological order they aired in? And maybe as a special feature, you know, uh, at the very least, it'll be cool to talk to the stuntman who did all this shit sure. with a camera on his back and uh, a primitive GoPro, you know? But I think the real thing, the, the real live-action Spider-Man that needs... The gem, the diamond in the rough. <laughs> is the insanity of the Japanese Spider-Man live-action TV show. Which I didn't know about until you came, told me. came out in 78 yeah. in, China, in uh, Japan. And it is, uh, you know, bat shit crazy. It's spider shit crazy. I, it is... It is something to behold. Yeah, you know, it's... it's we We... If you you know if you know your Japanese culture, they have a predisposition towards like uh, 
stuff like Voltron or sure. those, you know the big. Oh, it's definitely you know, like it's it has a, precursor. a lot of those. It's a precursor to Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah, it, it, you know, you have that aspect where the you know the they have the big monsters walking around at the end, and then our guy has to go into a uh, to a robot goes into a giant robot <laughs> that has crash landed from like uh, so I forget what it's called like the, like the Planet Spider. Planet Spider, and he's fighting uh, Professor Monster. Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, in a nutshell, the the plot is uh, our Peter Parker is not named Peter Parker. He's not a nerdy physics kid. He's a like a like a cro- like a motocross racer. Yeah, kind of like an evil Knievel kind of a guy. And uh, his dad's a scientist or a professor of some sort. And there are these evil beings from another planet. And he's also got with him is it a sister or a love interest who's a photographer? There's a there's a there's a sister and I think there's a photographer love interest. And then you have also you have he's the, got a little brother. You got a little brother who is like you know speed racer with the kid with the monkey. Yeah, you know he's got get that cute hat on. He does the adventures with him. And, Real annoying. But and it just you know there's uh, there's the evil intergalactic force named like the uh, the Iron Cross. Iron, Iron Cross. And they come to Earth. They come to Earth, and I didn't really gather why they wanted to kill the father. I think they're looking for the the big robot crash lands on Earth. And then we find out... uh, Called like Marvel something or other. The Marveler, maybe. Yeah. And um, and then the... uh, Spider... Our character, the Peter Parker character, stumbles into where it is. Well, his father goes. His father's some kind of scientist or professor... And he knows something, and for some reason, the Iron Cross wants to kill his father. Yeah. So they kill his father, and he's and our Peter Parker character is being like beckoned by some spider force. Yeah, but, but keeps seeing a web, keeps seeing spider. He's getting something's talking to him in his head, and he gets drawn to the scene uh, of the of where his father gets killed, and he gets his last. He sees he's held his held his dad for his dad's last last words, which is like there's something fucking crazy going on. I was unable to get to the bottom of it. You need to get to the bottom of it and stop it. Dies in his arms next to her. Dies river. in his arms. Then these crazy like duck ninja things come. Yeah, they try <laughs> and try to kill the Peter Parker character. He stumbles into a cave. Does his best to defend himself, but falls into a cave. And then in the cave is this good there's, alien being. There's this old man. Been there for 400 years. From the planet Spider. And our Peter Parker character is dying. And this is the person that's been calling to him t- telepathically. Yeah, through the entire universe, our Peter, character, our Peter Parker character is the only one who yeah. has the... He's the one. Yeah. So he finds him and then he, he takes the, the Spider-Man he's, serum. He's dying. The, the Peter Parker character is dying. So our, the old man puts this bracelet on him that injects him with serum that saves his life fucking huge bracelet and also infuses him with the spider powers yeah and he gets up and he's okay and then this character ends up uh dying as well but then when he dies he becomes a spider which ends up being like his His sidekick little how like talk spider (laughs) yeah he tells him what to do like You know, it's like and the the the, <coughs> the bracelet is what shoots webs for him. It's also his costume hides in that. Yeah, uh, yeah. He didn't make the costume. As soon as he touches a button, the costume pops out and he gets into it. Yeah, like yeah, it, like it goes on to him and then he zips it up and he becomes Spider Man. You know, and it shoots out webs. It shoots out like uh, almost netting. It looks like he did all that. Like he did it himself and he has to pack <laughs> it in there. It's not like you know. It's all. It's just it's this magic thing. And then uh, he's got an awesome car. 
He's got this giant like, yes, car, cat, cat, giant cat robot thing that turns into a giant humanoid. Yeah, at robot. that point, it turns very much into Power Rangers or like Thunderbirds, where you have the miniature car. The car kind of looks like the Speed Racer kind of car he can get into, and then the car flies up in the air and goes into the back of the robot, and the robot then turns from a flying like cat leopard thing. leopard thing into a robot that can walk around yeah. and fight and fight a giant monster. as you do in japan you know it, housing it, prices must be expensive in japan. now now technically it's now astounding. with that taking all that into account though uh, the craziness of that plot yeah which is highly entertaining yeah. to watch the action well it's been remastered so it looks a lot better than our sd version of because ours yeah. never had a remaster yeah I am dumbfounded. I am astounded how amazing the Japanese are able to tell a story. They're, they're, they're just, their use of cinema, the, the, the mise-en-scene, and all, you know, just, just how they're able to just those. It seems so uh, forward-thinking. It's like 15 years early than I've ever seen. Like, yeah. like the cutting... And just their action sequences, how they're paced, how they're their shots, they're they're starting shots out from here. There's double shots. There's frozen, sh- you know. They they freeze frame. Yeah, they yeah. go from other like they when do he's, double takes. Yeah, when yeah. he's jumping, when his bike is going off a ramp, it'll come from three different angles and different. Sp- <laughs> I mean, but it doesn't. It never loses you. So it's amazing to me the prowess or the command they have yeah, yeah. of the cinema language. To just it's so engaging. It's so amazing. You're never lost. It's not like one of these movies nowadays where you can't tell what's going on in a fight sequence. You can yeah, tell yeah. everything. I mean, it looks it, great. It's exciting. It's and uh, it's action-packed. It's, <laughs> absolutely. And I think, you know, you were talking about this before we started recording, and I didn't say anything because we were about to start recording. Yeah. But I totally, it was exactly what I was thinking, which is like, I wish the live-action American show had, like, the, the action. Like the second unit. <laughs> yeah, like... The f- and just the overall like feel of what's going on in those scenes in the American version, unbelievable! It is it is really impressive. If you were able to marry somehow, yeah, the 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 main characters and plot of the American yeah. show just with the action, you you know, you take out a lot of the uh, that seventies Japanese uh, themes of the big robots and yeah, the, yeah. you know, but it, just like. Even the ninjas, you had to keep the ninjas in and all those kind of people. Like it, it would be um, that would have been that yeah. probably would still be on TV. There's way more wall crawling, and, it, that, and there's wall, way more webbing, web stuff happening. And there, that wall crawling looks astounding compared to this. And we already said that the '70s stuff looks pretty good. I mean, they're doing the Fred Astaire stuff where it looks like there's a room maybe on like a gimbal, <laughs> yeah, so he's yeah. walking up the you know, and and and, and he's turning while he's up yeah, there, and yeah. he's hiding, and, and then he's jumping down on people like. Their use of editing, but even and then, just like the building stuff, running up the dam, oh, uh, you know, in the rafters of the bridge. Yeah, it's amazing. And there's no, you can't see any wires and stuff. It's just, it's astounding. And it was only the pilot's only what, 22, 23 oh, yeah, episodes. Oh yeah, it's like a half hour show. You know? They made like forty one episodes. Yeah, and the bad guys, really cool looking. Professor Monster is like he's got like a half face, yeah, like yeah. he looks like something you'd see later on Captain Power. You yeah, know, and he's got yeah. a lot of intense makeup on. I mean, it's very. It's it's very Power Rangers, even with that stuff, in terms of 
feel and I think device, you know, like the devices, the of, mood, of that, and that yeah. kind of storytelling. And which then the is music is wrong also, with that. Like, yeah. I, you know, it's fun. You get a lot of that beautiful music you see, like Spider Man. Yeah, Spider Man. <laughs> you know, the, the theme is another great theme, which I was thinking of putting. Which in. has subtitles. Yeah, so you have to read the Spider Man. Don't go, oh, Sp- wow, ha ha. <laughs> I think that's that's a lyrics. Um, but you actually have like the, the incidental music behind it is very much like you get like uh, you know you see like in uh, martial art m- movies that Quentin yeah, Tarantino yeah. you he'll use in the Kill Bill movies all that kind of like beautiful filler music is amazing so it's a sight to behold and it's and it's it was on digital download or streaming somewhere because yeah, yeah. Marvel put it out much like we said the unless they just the cartoon on show a Marvel no I Marvel. I read it was out that's why it looks so good because they yeah, cleaned yeah. it up for well, some sort of streaming. I had seen a handful of the episodes years ago, and that's when I started telling you about it. So when we were going to do this live action stuff, I was like, we at least have to watch the first episode. And uh, I wonder what the connection is, like how Stan Lee got that over there, because, you know, if it ran that much longer, that's a paycheck. And, you know, I mean, that's also endearing itself to an entire diff- different culture. But that is definitely, I'm going to I actually think I'm going to venture to try to find all of the episodes and actually just sit down and watch well, see if there's a box set or something because it is really awesome yeah it's amazing it's you know it's just and because it's only a half hour show it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's they don't really waste any time yeah they're moves, just going and then cliff and then for 70s that's 78 79 to have that level of of just comfortability with just the uh Cinema language of being sure. able to cut you—it's just unbelievable. Yeah. You don't see that for another five or ten years. And even some of the effects are like are really. I'm not gonna say they're great, but they're effective. Yeah, of course they're really they're really yeah. They, they it tells a great story. I mean, it's not as uh, you know. I think uh, Power Rangers fifteen years later or ten years later really kind of maybe yeah. Um, you know, exploits the market and it gets kind of too campy, but this is very serious, very much. If you're a fan of Godzilla or Gojio, however they pronounce the yeah, Godzilla yeah. over there, I mean, it's it's so worth watching. The th- it has a great theme song at the beginning and end, you know, of a guy singing, you know, there's some dude singing Spider-Man lyrics. He's like, Spider-Man, whoa, 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 Spider-Man, who is old, Spider-Man. Amazing. Yeah, it, yeah. Is, it is something to be You've probably heard either... Going into this or coming out of this cast, some of these songs. <laughs> we may have to put every single one. You know? Yeah, because they're it's, they're awesome. It's even like the '80s cartoon where it's like I like the, the the you know the Amazing Friends where it's just they yell at you, Spider-Man. <laughs> you know, that's what it is, Spider-Man. You know? Even when it's there's even the parts where it's like they're gonna cut the commercial. We don't have the commercials, but it comes oh, the to Japanese like, ones. Yeah, yeah, and it starts. It cuts to like a still frame of a drawing of like Spider-Man. And it's just like Spider-Man. And then you know that commercial. And then when it comes in, still picture Spider Man. Yeah, and then Spider-Man. back, back, in, back just, into the just if you didn't know. So um, I guess this is kind of where we wind down here with everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we it was the, we kind of knew that this was even though we're it's under the guise of talking about the uh, live action television show that we knew that that was really just kind of a vehicle to get into a much larger discussion of Spider-Man. Spider-Man. And uh, Spider-Man. And also, on. <laughs> also Spider-Man like in in, uh, in, t- in in television. Yeah, live action. You know? Or not, or, or not just live action. Cartoon too, just in media, I guess, in film and yeah, television. Yeah. I mean, we didn't get, obviously, we didn't venture too far into the, 80s the, the and Sam the, Raimi and the 80s cartoon shows. Or even but, the 90s versions. I mean, there's a lot of great, we had that 1994 series we talked about where that yeah. was, it was a blend of animation and C, uh, the computer animation and then 
they've gone completely over in some later ones of just computer animation. Well, maybe you know, shows down ten the years line. from yeah. now, maybe we'll, we'll get do another to, like one. doing one of the Raimi movies. Yeah, and we can revisit Spider Man. But in the meantime, yeah, check this stuff out. Uh, the Spider Man stuff is on YouTube. The American version stuff. Uh, you could find, I think, also on YouTube, all the 60s t- cartoon. Yeah, it seems like. You know, yeah. you could probably find some of the Spider-Man and the Amazing Friends uh, to buy as well as on YouTube. And then uh, the Japanese stuff is out there, and it looks yeah. really good. Yeah, if you search for it, you can find it streaming somewhere. Uh, but I would love to see, if even if, in Japan, if there's a box set of it. Yeah. Uh, because it, it is really cool it's impressive it is yeah if you could like you said if you were able to have like the second unit people of the japanese show working on the live action show it would have fucking gold it would be that would have probably started the superhero industry a lot sooner sooner than 1989 with batman you'd have an entire 80s of live you know auto man i bet you that show would still be running now (laughs) you know i'd become a telenovela some japanese telenovela but this Uh, was very exciting for me uh, we had hinted when we did uh, Roger Who Framed Rabbit. Rabbit, Frame Rabbit, Rabbit that Deanna and I were very excited for what next, the next big episode, the next, uh, you know, two week episode was going to be, even though we ended up sliding in a, a surprise episode in between. Uh, we were like, I don't know if anybody else is going to care, but we, we've been talking about it for months. Yeah, <laughs> this was going to be really exciting because we liked those. We did the Hulk and we did the uh, Flash and we did uh, the Punisher was our inaugural. Yeah. You know, those are all And fun. because Spider Man's so, such an important figure. Yeah, in my uh, in my growing up, I was very excited to finally get to. You know, I don't think we dove as deep as we did when we did Batman. There was more to talk about in '89 Batman because yeah. of the '89 Batman movie, and it was an anniversary for us too, and all that. But you know, we, we can go on forever with this because you know we can. Oh yeah, we know, could still go, but uh, talk about the, all the other we'll do, incarnations. We'll do another part, part two, uh, part each part me. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Arigato It was, but it was cool. Even though you know the, it's one of the. I would say that the live action series is one of the things that uh, least lives up to memory. The American one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, out of all the things we've done, you know, like I'd say it's probably one of the things that underwhelming is. is yeah, is underwhelming. Uh, it's still like you said, catch, being, catching it on TV as a kid was a really big thing. Yeah. And just having it be Spider-Man was uh, made it, even though you didn't see it in rerun the way you did The Incredible Hulk or other shows when we were growing up, uh, just having like almost basically just those two-part movies showing up every once in a while, it, it, they, they kind of endeared themselves to, to, Entire generation. to, my, to me specifically in yeah. terms of nostalgia, of being very nostalgic, remembering, having them being on TV and being yeah. so excited that they were going to be on. It makes me want to go watch now the in between all that stuff, you know, like we originally uh, proposed, but then we would have a much longer cast if we had done the entire run. <laughs> yeah, and we would have been a lot more pressed. Yeah. <laughs> And more than we had done tonight, you know. We were sleeping at the beginning of this. So, well, thank you very much again. Check us out on Facebook. We have, we're on Twitter. We have our regular site. We'll have extras. We'll put all some of these in. Spider-Man. And all this kind of stuff to give you. Check, you know, that's on our regular web page, Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Um, we'll be back in two weeks. If you like what you're seeing, um, check us out on Facebook. Like it. Share it. It's summer's officially started, right? Summer's officially started, yeah. A couple weeks ago. Now we're... Um, 
uh, you know, if you, if we're out going and we're going to have a great summer, if you like stuff, give us a review on one of those sites that you, you check us out on and, uh, tell people about us, spread the word. You know, a lot of people don't even know on the Facebook page that we have a podcast. So if you listen to the podcast, go check out our Facebook page yeah. and like maybe the posting, you know, give us some love and share it, you know, get the word out in the street. So, uh, in two weeks, I don't know what we got going on. I don't remember. Oh, we do have we have a, we do have another 1987 class. <laughs> <laughs> We're hitting 87 yeah. hard this hard year. Hard this hard. So uh, you know this was great, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Uh, in uh, spider web friends, <laughs> Excelsior! <laughs> Later. Spider Man, where are you coming from, Spider Man? Nobody knows who you are. Excelsior. Spider-Man. Where are you coming from, Spider-Man? Nobody knows who you Spider-Man!